Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Listening live to In Much Less Detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here with you live on a Friday night, January the 6th, 2017, the first show of 2017. I'm Dre. He's Jay. He's the birthday boy. He's here taking the last chunk of his birthday, taking the time for the show, sacrificing for us, for you, the listener, the sacrifices that this man is making for you, the listener. You should be appreciative of that. Jason, how was your birthday? What did you do? What kind of trouble did you get into, old man? Didn't get into any trouble. Hung out with the children and the wife, had some family come over, kept it. After last year, I, I sort of needed a <laughs> low-key, you know, easy, no surprises, <laughs> nice, easy birthday. Yeah, no no whirlwind trip to Vegas coming up for me this weekend. So uh, kind of sad about that in one way, because I was like, man, that was so much fun. But on the other side of it, you can't, you know, the, the big milestone birthdays only, only come around so often. And uh, it was, it was very nice. It, it was nice to have the day off. It was nice. You know, I had the whole day home with my kids. Wife got off early from work and we had a nice, we had a nice night. So thank you for the birthday wishes. Uh, I enjoyed it. That's good. No, you can't do Vegas every year. We don't. First of all, we don't oh, have the money, yeah. and second of all, we don't have the tickers. We're getting up there in age, and we can't be risking. Uh, you know, that's a risk factor. That's what our doctors would call a, a major risk factor hitting Vegas. Uh, just for just for breathing in the cigarette smoke, nothing else. Not saying that we're doing anything uh, necessarily to to do harm to our health, but if no other reason than just breathing in all the cigarettes, because it's, of course, it's still legal everywhere you go, all the casinos out there in Vegas, people sitting there just sliding up, smoking, not like it's going out of style, no big deal to them, but for for city dwellers like you and me that don't have to deal with that in public, it, it was a little bit of a shock to the system to walk around with all that cigarette smoke everywhere you go. I, it didn't bother me none. Um, I, I wasn't prepared for all the the walking. I mean, we we handled it okay, but it was a lot of you. Know, you don't realize how far everything is apart when you go there, you know. And you're thinking, oh, you know, it's just from you know, one building to the next, no big deal. And you're like, okay, we'll just go jump on the monorail. And it's like, wait a minute, it's like you gotta walk like a mile <laughs> just to get to the back of the building to get under the monorail. Um, oh my god! No, it was yeah, it was it was awesome. Don't need anything like that for a while. Yep. No, that was, it was it was awesome. I was just thinking about it, uh, of course, because you know you go on Facebook and your memories pop up from certain yep. days of the year and whatnot, and I see the Vegas memories start coming in from last year, and I'm like, oh, I remember this. I remember the Grand Canyon trip. I remember the the surprise 
video that uh, your wife filmed as you were opening your present and found out the the big reveal that uh, that me and uh, my wife had sent a picture with uh, with us holding a sign saying Vegas or bust, and, and you of course put two and two together very quickly. So uh, it was all ready to go. Your your wife had everything packed up, and you guys just shipped right off and headed out to Vegas, just as whirlwind as you can get. So yeah, it was a great time. No, no doubt about that. Uh, and it's also reminding me of of those wild card games because that was wild card weekend that we did that last year. And it was. It was so also the uh, college football championship while we were out there. Yeah, I, I was reminded of that too. Yeah. <laughs> because I remember the exact sitting same in the match. airport. I'm in I'm in Appleton, Wisconsin. It's just so it was so cold that day. And we walked to the airport, which felt like forever. We walked to the airport with no jackets on. Because we're like, we're not taking jackets to Vegas, you know, not big winter coats. So we left them behind in the car. Oh, my God, that mm. walk with the wind, just the terminal. And then to sit in the airport and uh, we watched the Packers-Redskins playoff game. And it was funny because we had stopped for lunch on the way to the airport. And it was at lunch where I watched the Blair Walsh kick. We were at lunch uh, in the bar, and we and he missed the twenty twenty seven yard field goal to to blow the game. And it was just yeah, that that just crazy, all of that happening. So it's like going on through the wild card weekend on that Sunday of us traveling. So my memories of that weekend of football are now mixed with the memory of traveling out to Vegas. Um, and then the next day was uh, was Monday, and that was the. Uh, the college football championship. Hard to believe that those were one day apart because in being in Vegas for four days, we we did so much in between that time. (laughs) Four days in Vegas felt like two weeks. Yeah. Just all the gambling that we did as soon as you guys arrived at whatever time in the morning that you guys did arrive. And then we did that. And then we went to bed for a little while and got back up and did whatever the stuff that we did during the day on Monday, went out to the, uh, to the show to this yeah. humanity and that's when we sat down and and watched some college football while we were eating and watched that national title game go exactly the way you said it would even though you didn't put any money on it uh, neither did i uh, yeah all of that happened in a very short amount of times it felt like we did like three days worth of stuff in between when you guys arrived and that national title game but it really was only one day so it's, it's incredible when you think about it, when you put it in that kind of perspective yeah and then the next day was uh, the Grand Canyon day. Grand Canyon trip, right. Yeah. And then the next day was sort of our, that was our last full day out there. That was the day you you went broke. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> About halfway through the day, you were done. You went broke. You just had enough. You basically were like, you know what? Tapped out on the gambling money. We got enough bet. We got enough for dinner. <laughs> that was about it. Yeah, I think the last maybe 20 or 30 bucks or so was that evening at the uh, ultimate uh, Texas Hold'em table. And I I crapped out and shook your hand and said, I'll see you in a few months in Chicago. And that was was about it for that. That was pretty much it. But yeah, Yeah, and it's just hard to believe that that's coming up. You know, we're only three months away from from baseball and the greatest night in sports. It's, it's all turning over quick here, huh? 
Uh, tell the people what the uh, the weather conditions are where you are right now, so that they don't feel like they're getting too close to baseball season. Because we're close yet we're we're so yeah. far. Uh, it was uh, minus ten today here. <laughs> That's not the wind yeah. chill. That was your temperature. That was the air temperature. Wind chills uh, today wasn't as bad with the wind chill, but the last two days we were around thirty below wind chills. It was that, sunny. That just hurt. Is that how, <laughs> sunny? It was, it was sunny, sunny with a minus 30 windshield. Yeah. Well, that helped. It was like air temperature when I was driving home the last couple of nights from work was like 15 below. I'm just glad my car <sighs> started. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, baseball is not quite that close. When you're talking about uh, minus 15 degrees and minus 10 degrees, it, it, it's obviously not quite that close. And I know it was cold up where you guys were, not because I've seen what you guys are going through at all, but just because I know what we're going through here in the Mid-South. We have snow. Yeah. We actually had snow today in the Mid-South. And people oh, reacted yeah. about yeah. the way that you thought they would. <laughs> I'm gonna get my. Did they cancel school? They did. Oh my! They actually canceled school. There was like some school. snow on the ground, so they had to cancel school. Like, what's this? No, no kidding. What is this? What weird do we do? Substance? Oh, we gotta, we gotta call it off. Gotta call off school. Got can't do it. Can't have these kids out here in this weird substance on the ground. Can't have it. Like Mike Singletary, can't do it. Cannot go to school. Cannot drive with him. Cannot ride with him. Can't do it. Well, interesting week here. We didn't have to call each other. Uh, we didn't have to call into the show early to figure out the highlight games, at least. Nope. Four highlight games, uh, one of which nobody's going to watch, but it's it's playoff football, so it's all good. No matter you know, what. it's funny. I was driving home, and occasionally I'll get, when I'm driving home late at night, I get Chicago. So I'll listen to the score out of Chicago. And somebody, one of the one of the later night hosts, I don't know who it was, was uh you know right around that nine o'clock time slot was talking about how the oh here we go isn't it just something that the houston texans get that first playoff spot every year and i'm like you know what we've been predicting <laughs> this for half the season seriously you gotta catch like, where on have you been? yeah I, I was i go back and i listen out. to the shows you know I, i'm listening to the shows now on my way to work um about once a week, you know, I'll just start, you know, I'll toss on a show and catch up. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we've been making fun of, uh, that Saturday 4:30 slot or three 30 our time. We've been making fun of that slot for a long time. We, we make fun of that slot almost as a joke all the time that someone's going to end, you know, we always know that it's that crap game. That's going to end up in that slot. And, and we've been pointing to whoever won that AFC South was going to be squarely in that, in that time slot, and why well, wouldn't you know it? NFL is very predictable. That should be like a, a a fireable offense to have a sports talk show and not realize by this point that the ugliest, most ratings-draining, non-deserving playoff division champion is always the very first playoff game of wildcard weekend because the NFL knows that that's the game that everyone's going to watch because it's the playoffs. It's the start of the playoffs, and everyone's going to be so keyed. I'm keyed up for it, and I can't stand either team. I actually am yeah. jacked up 
for Oakland and Houston tomorrow, and I don't like either one of the damn teams. And that's why you're they ready put to that break that spot. shit down. You're ready to just break those those break that down. We're gonna be talking about playoff football. No book paper. Listen to it. Back and forth. Got notes all up and down, ready to break that shit down. And it's and it's the Raiders and the Texas. Good lord. But that's the that's what they do. Whoever the yep. least deserving division champion is gets that first playoff game spot because they know that it's football and no one's gonna care. And then the, the teams that are gonna pull the bigger weighting, that's sort of like the main event of the weekend. That's what they put on last on Sunday at uh, four thirty Eastern. That's the main event. That's the yeah. big one. And this where it's the Giants and, and the Packers. You you can't really do too much better as far as media markets go. If the Cowboys were in the wild card round, then they, they would be in that spot as well. But that's it right there. That's the main event of the weekend. That's the big kahuna. And it's so formulaic, but it works. I, I'm, I'm not hating on the NFL necessarily. Uh, it, it's symptomatic. It's formulaic, but it works. And, and they know what they're doing. They've made billions and billions and billions of dollars. They obviously know what they're doing. But if you're any kind of football fan, you figured out that that sort of rhythm by now, that the, the cadence of uh, who's the division champion that nobody's going to want to watch. Let's put them on first because it's the playoffs and people will be happy to see playoff football no matter what. I'm totally with you there. I just found that funny. I'm like, man, this sounds an awful lot like what we've been saying for a really <laughs> long time. And it was almost like this person was like saying it was like there was some revelation. Like they just figured this out. Hey. The worst Look at how team. smart I am. <laughs> yeah. The worst playoff matchup is going on first. What a concept. Yeah. Yeah, we, we know, buddy. Yeah. We all know. But I, I'll almost give it a pass because that is a station that's a local station. You know, it's it, it, they're mainly focused on talking about the Bears. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Um, so you don't hear a lot of national stuff. Now with the bears, not in the playoffs, they were talking more about wild card weekend, you know, where we are more, even though we have local rooting interests in our teams and our favorite teams, um, I got to say, we don't just sit here and slurp our team. You know, neither one of us are just in the bag for the team that we root for. Um, till the, to the point where we're not honest about our teams. We try as hard as we can to be as honest as we can about everything. It's the 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 key, the keystone of gambling, and ostensibly we're a gambling show. You cannot let personal feelings cloud your judgment, or else you're going to be in the hole so fast your head will be spinning. You have to break down everything as objectively as possible. Everyone has their personal biases about everything. But as much as you can, as hard as you can, you have to stick to the truth of the matter and, and assess things as they are, not as you hope they are or as you wish they are. You have to do it that way. There's no other way to do it. There's no way I would have gotten to a 552 percentage this season as I find a way to brag about myself if I were using my hopes and wishes for what the Chicago Bears would do or, or any team that's playing against the Bears. You can't do it that way. You just can't do it. it it's not going to work that way. So we, we really do try here. And I would hope every uh, gambling show or, or football breakdown show uh, looks at everything as, as objectively as you can. There's no other way to go about it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. I mean, and 552, you, you did come back. I will give you that. Yeah, a little. A little. 
You I did come back. back. You were over six, you were over six hundred like five or six weeks ago. I was touching the sky there. I, was, I know I was uh, five eighty a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, there was one point yeah, you was, were like six twelve or six twenty. It was ridiculous where you were at one point in the middle of the season. So I was kind of hoping you'd come down maybe around five forty. That was kind of the number I had in my head. Um, but you did come back. So we're, I'm not I'm not sitting here with like an 18 point deficit. I'm probably closer to 10 or 11, which I can deal with. Well, after week nine, I put up a nine and two week in week nine with a couple of pushes, which put me at 606. And I think that might be the highest that I had. Yeah, that was incredible. It it was also unsustainable, almost unsustainable. I mean, we've. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Five, but five fifty two, five fifty two is is great. The the six twenty five was was after the first two weeks. I was twenty and twelve. So I'm uh, just buttering you up right now because uh, I've got you right where I want you. Right upstairs. Um, so anything that struck you about week seventeen or the end of the season uh, breakdown? It was awful for both of us. I mean, it was bad. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna guess that we got beat by a by a piece of money. Um, I, I got a beef with coin. I I got a serious fucking beef with coin. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I should have just said I'm with coin. Coin went eight and eight, which is a coin, so it's going to go about eight and both. eight. It's going to go about five hundred. It beat it us just... both. I was seven and nine, and you were five and eleven. Uh, right. It didn't just beat us both. The beef that I have a coin specifically is that in all five matchups in which both of us, you and I agreed and coin went against us, coin went five and oh. Oh coin beat us. And we said that up. we predict we predicted that. We said Before that's not picks, a good sign. We said you'd never want to be against the coin if we're in agreement. And yeah, there you go. We both agree on a pick. The coin does the opposite and beats us all five times. Could you imagine if somebody just took those five as a parlay? Ah, and then lit it up. Yeah. No doubt. You were so happy to, to have a, another crack at a lock of the week, even though you didn't need it. And you threw shade all over Colin Kaepernick and took the Seahawks and gave the 10 points. And I was agreeing with you. And then the coin said, nope, go with the 49ers. And what happened? The 49ers covered his yeah. It's forty niners. That's covered late. They did cover late, but they did cover. They almost turned that. They almost made that. They made that really interesting late, um, which ended up not mattering um, with Atlanta winning and Atlanta doing their thing again. Atlanta has really got this. Let's jump all over somebody early and then just totally give it up. I don't know if they lose interest. Or if something happens that they just start doing the play not to lose defense because they were all over the Saints. I mean, that game was like 35-13, and the Saints end up still getting us a cover on that. I mean, it, talk about cheap. It could, that we could have been even worse. Um, yeah, that's true. No, of we, we, we would have been agreed. okay there because the coin agreed with us, so we, we would have been all right. coin agreed. But, uh, yeah, but – just in general, though, for us winning a game in our percentages. And, of course, it wouldn't be a week of 2016 picking if, you know, there wasn't a four-and-a-half-point spread that, of course, you're on the four-point <laughs> side of. 
Yeah, you don't get to 552 without a lot of luck. I'm certainly not going to say that there wasn't a ton of luck involved. So, yeah, another one of those. Uh, Jacksonville, four-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Colts and find a way to lose by four. So I will certainly take that one. And I was the only one with that. I beat you and Coin together, so I'm really proud of that. Oh, you showed us. I got (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm, I'm still angry with the coin i got personal beef with them because of that that's that's personal against us when you go five and oh when both of us are agreeing and then the coin disagrees and the coin goes that's personal that's something i don't know what we did to the coin to piss it off but that's a personal affront against both of us so i've made the decision i've made the executive decision i'm firing this dime as the coin the dime is out the dime did something personal to us see i had a suggestion next year I'll flip the coin. Oh. See, change it up. You've always flipped the coin. It's always been yes. a dime. Um, so maybe you hear that next dime? year. You're out, buddy. That's right. You're, you're, you're done. You're done. You're dead to us. So, yeah, you can do the coin next year. That's that works. I even remember when we had uh, we had the uh, – the sort of homage to the, to, to Mike Murphy uh, uh, from the score there, what we used to call it the official I predict dime. Hey. <laughs> Nobody gets that reference, but. You got to say it like you mean it. Hey, yeah, what's your beef? It was the in much less detail official I predict dime. Well, um, it's over now. Which we have dropped it. We have dropped that moniker um, just yes. to show how long we've been using that stupid coin. You certainly love the idea of flipping the coin better than what my idea was going to be to replace the coin. Oh, because you being a Cubs fan oh. would have really hated this. One of the many uh, worthless giveaways that they have at Redbirds ballpark out here in Memphis, the AAA affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals. One of the useless trinkets was some sort of coin that they gave away, some sort of commemorative coin with the Memphis Redbirds AutoZone Park on one side and the proud AAA affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals over on the other side. I was going to use that Ah. as the new official coin. You do not want that because that's a Cardinals coin, basically, even though it's the Redbirds. And you would certainly not like that idea. It's no worse than losing to a freaking dime. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But no, you you can absolutely have the honors of flipping the coin next year. And hopefully one of us will actually beat the coin doing it that way. We'll we'll certainly switch it yeah. up. That's fine by me. Yeah. So we watched a lot of we watched a lot of stuff not go our way uh last week. And uh it's it was week seventeen. I mean, you're just watching these results going, Oh, of course. Oh yeah. We totally get yeah, that, you know. So yeah, I mean, you, you, we just knew that the Giants would beat the Redskins. Uh. We made so much fun of them saying that they would compete, and they competed, and they won. And the, and the Redskins wound up missing the playoffs, and they had yeah. it. They had it. It was in their hands. It was in their destiny. And Kirk Cousins let it slip through his fingers, having a, a really picking a bad time to have a really bad game. Uh, yeah, not really bad. He, he made yardage. He just couldn't get into the end zone and then he kept turning it over at the at the very wrong time so uh, right it, but he but you agree with me right he's still going to get paid the, the Redskins are still going to give him all the money because overall he still had the type of season that makes you go oh I think we have to keep him because otherwise we, we might be in the 
you know, Matt McGloin uh, uh, oh. <laughs> cycle bin of quarterbacks, and God knows we don't want to do that. No, when you look around the landscape, just of the league, you, you have to keep him. You just have to. You you just gotta you gotta lock somebody up. Stability is worth something, especially if it's stability with somebody who's 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 pretty good. I mean, I think he's proven that he can that he can handle the job. I mean, they're not going to Ryan Fitzpatrick him. I mean, they better not do that. They'll just put him on the outside until the beginning of the season, just yeah. about it. Okay, yeah. I guess we'll bring you in. All right. Yeah. So no, Fitzpatrick is now a verb on this show. You just got Fitzpatrick. And that's not a good held thing. Out of, no, when you get held out of training camp so long that you wonder if you're going to actually start the season, you've been Fitzpatrick. Right. That's a baseball move. That's the the big. Uh, they've been doing that in baseball the last few years more and more. You see free agents waiting until the season started before they sign with somebody for whatever reason. So they're going to baseball route now. I don't know if they want to do that. Especially no. football so they, being such gonna... a, a shorter season than baseball, you want your guys in camp. You want them getting everything on on the same page in sync with the receivers yeah. you want them actually working together with the team making a team it's a lot less important to be uh working with the team in baseball because it's such an individual sport anyway but in football you really want to have your guys in there to, you know right as soon as possible OTAs is you know is the optimal way to do it but for some reason the Jets didn't want to do it that way so no I don't believe the Redskins will be doing that yeah, and in typical fashion, a team that you – I don't know if you agree with me on this, but a team that I know I would have rather seen in the playoffs didn't make it, and a team that I thought completely found themselves not deserving to go to the playoffs made the playoffs because of that result. So, therefore, the matchup tomorrow night ends up being a little less compelling for me with Lions and Seahawks, I think that may have, I would have preferred to have seen Redskins Seahawks. I don't know if you agree with that sentiment. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think that would have been an exciting uh, sort of balls out fast paced matchup. And uh, yeah, the Lions don't excite me. I don't think they excite anybody. I don't think they even just excite the city of Detroit. And I'll have a, a stat to a stat or two to back that up when I talk about that matchup because the Lions being there just, yeah, they definitely do not uh, engender a whole lot of excitement for that matchup tomorrow night. No, interesting, interesting thing about the Lions that I'll point out when we get to our pick that I didn't realize until I saw it in print today and was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> we, just, we might have the same stat in mind. Interesting little tidbit about their season that once I saw it, I was like, yep, that's the Lions. So (laughs) (laughs) it sure sounds like we're going to have the same stat. It Um, does. And uh, we already discussed this. You get to go first on all the picks. Um, Given my deficit, um, I may I may need to reserve the right, even in wild card weekend, to disagree with you. Although that's not my plan. I have no I have no plans to do that. Um, if we ended up agreeing with every single game, I still have a pathway to victory. Um, although it wouldn't be an easy one. Um, it's still there. You can't eliminate me this week. Even if I lost every game, I don't even think you could eliminate me, uh, this week or it would be really close. I have a feeling we're not going to disagree on every game though. That would be something though. Yeah. Well, 
you are reserving the right to change a pick on the fly. So if we're going down that path, you might decide, whoa, I don't want to go against you on all four. So maybe, you, you know, you switch up on one of these games or you switch up on the last game yeah. or something like that. Just and like I, we found I out last year, though, with me being in that position, you know, it's it's not hard. It's hard enough to make the picks. It's even harder to pick which one you're getting wrong, especially if we mm-hmm. both agree. And last year, I had that option in the conference championships, and I chose the wrong one. If I had chosen the right one, I would have won last year. It literally mm-hmm. came down to that. If I just would have picked you to be wrong on New England instead of Carolina or Arizona, you know, because we both basically, I think, agreed on those. And then I had just to pick which one you were wrong on. Um, yeah. If I would have gone against you, because we both had Arizona and I ended up dis- and so I disagreed. I believe it was on that one. I thought that was the one more likely, uh, or we had, we both had Carolina and I took Arizona instead of taking Denver. If I just would have taken Denver, I would have won because you would have got, you would have had still had the right to, you still would have had the honors for the Super Bowl, but you had Carolina all the way and I would have won. Yeah. <laughs> so, ah. <sighs> That, that's what makes this tough. That's that. So people who don't know the way we pick this, you know, the person in the lead truly has the advantage, um, but all the pressure too, because you've got to be, you've got to be right. The other person just has to count on you to be wrong. That's not the position. I mean, obviously it's the position you want to be and you want to have the lead, um, but we've both pissed away leads <laughs> over the years oh, of doing yeah. this. Um. It's sometimes in the you're, Super Bowl. You're bringing that up for a reason. <laughs> That's right. Because you want it, we want this to be the year that I piss away a big lead. And boy, well, would this, this be, would be a big one. This would be an all-timer if you blow this one. I'm just not saying no, no pressure or anything. <sighs> no pressure. No pressure. All right. Guess how we'll do this is I'll do the plugs, then I'll explain the point system for the playoffs, and then we'll get into our picks for Wild Card Weekend. You are listening live, of course, to blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail to listen to the show as a podcast after it's over with. Get this live show and an after show afterwards. You can subscribe to the show on your Apple device on iTunes to search for much less detail, the podcast. Uh, If you don't have an Apple device, you can use any different number of podcast applications such as TuneIn, Mixcloud, Player.fm, Blubbery, uh, whatever your favorite app may be, we may be on there. Just search for in much less detail the podcast. And if we're not on there, then switch to one of these other ones because those are the good ones, obviously. You can communicate with the show via email. You will send that to in much less detail at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at IMLDDre. Jason is at IMLDJTG. Our picks are always up on the blog before the games start. And the blog site is in much less detail.blogspot.com. If you want to join in on this silliness tonight, our live Phone number is always area code 646-595-4534. And we got some tennis going on. Uh, we got the coin getting fired. We got uh, wild card weekend coming up. We got our picks coming up. But I have to stop to give myself just a little bit more shine because we make our picks using the the, uh, the odds on the covers.com free handicapping site. It's a free handicapping contest that they have where the top three win cash every year. 
And I wish I was one of the top three. I was not, but this was by far my best finish uh, overall. You pick the uh, the spread, and you can pick over-unders as well. You put whatever n- number of, uh, of dollars or points or however you want to refer to it uh, that you want to put per pick uh, up to a maximum of 500. And out of 9,379 contestants this year in the free handicapping contest for the NFL, I finished... 52nd so i'm very very happy about that Uh, uh, it doesn't win me any money unfortunately because i could couldn't get in the top three uh but it's still better than what i usually finish at and just to bring myself back down i was looking at the past years you can go all the way back to see what you've done on this site i've been a member of that site since i think 2002 this was the first year I finished positive <laughs> out of all those years. So, <laughs> okay, just to, yeah. Just a so this is this is not this is the exception, is what you're saying. Oh yeah. Oh. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> no doubt. This was not. Uh, this is not the norm for me. I, I did well in the point spread in the and the over unders. Sometimes I do well in one and not in the others, and sometimes I do terrible in both. Uh, but this year I was I was. I was hot. I was doing very well. So uh, see if I can continue that into the playoffs. Now, you've been hearing us talk about this playoff points format, and you're wondering what in the world that means if you're a new listener. Uh, let's see if I can explain it real quick. Point system I came up with, this is back in high school, I think I came up with this. So it's going yeah, back a long only, ways. We only picked games. I want to say we only picked games. First of all, we only picked games straight up doing this for the year first year or two before we were like, yeah, these 700 win percentages just aren't (laughs) really getting it done. So you came, you know, so we started using the lines out of the paper, the, the, the newspaper, the newspaper, people, the newspaper, we started using the lines out of the newspaper. Um, and and yep. And, uh, to keep the playoffs more interesting after another couple of years of just, you know, one of us just kicking the other ones behind was causing some really crazy um, scenarios where the playoffs were like, didn't even matter. So yeah, maybe four or five years into it. I, it wasn't very long. So mid nineties, you came up with the, with the point system. And uh, so if we've been doing the point system for 20 years, um, we always say we've only ever had it happen once with your point system that the playoffs didn't matter. And that's that's a testament to the fact that it's about the percentages, which really tightens everything up, which is why I talked all about these last three, four weeks about just hoping beyond hope that your percentage sort of came back because I kind of stayed around that. I just hovered, you know, I just kind of stayed in that around 500 area and was basically like, you know what, I can just kind of hang around 500 and just wait for you to come back. Um and you kind of did. So, so here check, you sit. One, check mark one for me. <laughs> Part one of my plan worked out. Your evil plan. <laughs> yeah. So the point system breaks down like this. Quite simply, we're taking the season percentages. We're taking our wins divided by all the games that we picked and the raw percentage. We're taking that percentage, that number, uh, out to three decimal points. We're multiplying that by 200. 
So you're going to get something around 100. Just for example, if you finish 500 on the season, you multiply that by 200, of course, you would come up with 100 points. From there, you're talking a scoring system of the wild card weekend, those four games, worth two points each. The conference semifinals is what I call it. The uh, divisional round, those four games are worth three points each. The conference finals weekend, those two games are worth four points each. And the Super Bowl, the Big Kahuna, is worth a whopping five points. Those games are all picked against the spread, just like we do during the regular season. So therefore, if a game has a spread of seven and it finishes as a seven-point victory for the favorite, no one's getting any points of any kind. It just goes as a push, as if it never happened. So you really want to have the lead at all stages because you don't want to be caught in a situation where no one gets any points and you just get screwed. Uh, so you always want to be in control. You always want to have that lead. So the way the points break down this season for us using that formula is my 552 winning percentage came out to 110.5 points. Jason's 492 winning percentage comes out to 98.4 points. And you got that little decimal point in there that makes a difference because we don't have any uh, tenths of a win when you get into the actual playoffs. So finishing one-tenth of a point behind uh, in addition to the other points behind, that makes a difference because that basically counts as a full point behind me. So you got 110.5 to 98.4. Basically, you can look at that as 110 to 97 because he can't get to uh, 99. He's got to stay there at 98.4. And I'm at 110.5. That's like a whole point above uh, when you got that tenth of a point. However, he gets a point back because we instituted last year to have a locks bonus where we each pick a lock of the week during the season. Whoever has the most correct locks at the end of the season gets an extra point tacked on to start the playoffs. And for the second year in a row, Jason won that. He had more locks than me. He won that 11 to 7 this year. So instead of 98.4 points, he has 99.4 points to start the playoffs. So it's basically a 12-point lead for me to start the playoffs with these two point games this weekend for a total of eight points. And as Jason was pointing out, even if he did disagree with me on each game, that would only make me up 20 points and only 20. Uh, it'd be a lot of points, but that's not impossible to to get back. If you think about the 12 points on the uh, divisional round weekend and then those conference title games being four points each, that's 20 right there. And then the Super Bowl is worth five. So Technically, you can get all the way back and, and force a tie, even if he lost every game wildcard weekend. But I know he doesn't want to be in that position. So I know he's not going to be different on me on every single game for wildcard weekend, just because you wouldn't want to do that. And we all know that next week's my week anyways. I mean, yeah, he has had a history of dominating uh, on divisional round weekend. That's uh, that's true. So. I guess without further ado, it's time to get to actually making the picks for Wildcard Weekend, and I am doing the honors of picking every game first so that Jason can sort of evaluate and analyze and decide which ones does he want to agree with and which ones does he want to go against me. So we'll start it with that game tomorrow afternoon, 4.30 Eastern on Saturday, Wildcard Weekend. If you haven't figured it out by now, folks, 
the worst matchup of the weekend, the game no one wants to watch. It's always the first wild card game because it's playoff football and everyone's just so excited to see playoff football. The Oakland Raiders at 12 and 4 would not, you would think, be a team featured in a game that no one would want to see, but circumstances have it that they're down to their third string quarterback with that 12 and four record. So things aren't looking so great for the Raiders. And of course the Houston Texans at nine and seven, sort of backing their way up into the playoffs with a quarterback that they benched and then brought back. And they don't know if they want them or they want to go with the other guy, but the other guy's hurt. And eh, they don't, they don't really know. They, the, the Oakland Raiders and Connor cook, the Oakland, the, the Houston Texans and Brock Osweiler, which quarterback is in a worse position, I guess, is is what that kind of comes down to. Oakland at six and two on the road, seven and two, if you count that home game in Mexico that was really on the road, and Houston seven and one at home with that nine and seven record. And what about that Mexico game in week eleven of this year? Well, look at that. The Oakland Raiders were playing the Houston Texans in that game in a game that was in Mexico city, a lot closer to Houston than it was to Oakland. Uh, Oakland to me, I remember watching this game was the worst team on the field for three quarters of that game before they rallied and beat the Texans 27 to 20 in, in the Mexico bowl. Uh, and that was with Derek Carr though. That's uh, that's the big difference is that this is not Derek Carr. A quarterback is not even Matt McGloin. It's Connor cook, the Michigan state kid who's up for the Raiders because of injuries to the first two quarterbacks. Uh, the Raiders will also be without their left tackle, Donald Penn, very important in the run game. Uh, for Houston, Osweiler's back up because of Tom Savage's uh, getting hurt and getting sort of benched again after Osweiler came in last week and sort of looked not as bad as he had before, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so Bill O'Brien has installed him as the starter for this game. Uh, but, hey, if he's bad, you could see another switch. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. Maybe more important on the injury front, Jadavian Clowney is back up at linebacker for the Texans after missing the last couple of games of the season. Lamar Miller is back up at running back for the Texans. Uh, I think those will be very, very important injury uh, developments, much more than Osweiler taking back over as the quarterback. Uh, the Houston Texans are actually favored by four points in this game against the Oakland Raiders because the Raiders are down to their third string quarterback. So that's shouldn't be much of a surprise to anybody. Uh, in this one, uh, we know how I feel about Oakland. If you've been listening to this show all season, I think they got lucky a lot. I think they're, Coach Jack Del Rio uh, had a lot of gambles that worked out earlier in the year for them. Uh, there were some referee calls that went their way, but that's for every team, really. Um, opponents not capitalizing when they had their chances to put the Raiders away, and then the Raiders get a lead and their pass rush takes over, and that's the end of that. So, uh, But overall, I wasn't all that impressed with the Raiders, even with Derek Carr. And I admit Derek Carr played wonderfully, but uh, I, I still thought they got lucky a lot. Uh, and yet they maybe not did not get as lucky uh, as the Houston Texans did because Jason referred to something he was going to talk about in this game to show just what the Texans are all about. And it's probably the same stat that I had, which is quite simply their plus minus on the season, which the division champion nine and seven Houston Texans had a plus minus this season of minus 49, 
which is just mind-blowing when you think about that. So no wonder they're the first playoff game uh, televised. Who wants to see a team minus 49 on a season uh, any later in the playoffs than they have to? We can possibly get them eliminated right off the bat, or even if they win, we get them get the game eliminated right off the bat. We don't have to watch that garbage. Minus 49 for a division champion is uh, – I don't – I'm not going to go back and research if that's – the worst or one of the worst, but it's got to be right up there. And they didn't even have a losing record. That's really the amazing part about that. What are the odds that Brock Osweiler takes this second chance and and breaks loose and then has some more confidence and decides that I'm not going to let this chance slip away. I'm going to run out here in front of this home crowd. That's going to boo the hell out of me probably. Um, And and I'm not going to give them a reason to boo. I'm going to actually play up to my capabilities and, and do what I have to do to win this game. Uh, I don't know if I like those chances very much. Uh, but then on the other side of the field, what are the odds that Connor Cook steps up and does something? I know absolutely nothing about Connor Cook. I've never seen him play. I don't watch college football. I don't know anything about him. Pro Football Focus, uh, Sam Monson on his podcast said that he has heard him reference as, and this is probably not a compliment, a Ryan Fitzpatrick type quarterback that he will he'll go for it he will throw balls even if it's not really advised he'll just throw balls up there trying to make big plays he's one of those types of quarterbacks that's going to go for it so i'm thinking you're going to see a lot of balls in the air uh for the oakland raiders everyone thinks they're going to come in and rely on their run game but uh, if he's what sam monson says he is he's going to have some uh action in the air whether we think anything of him or know anything about him or not, he's apparently going to be out there putting it up. Uh, Matt McGloin's listed as questionable. Speaking of, you might see a quarterback take the field tomorrow that's not the starter. Matt McGloin might actually uh, step in if Connor Cook throws too many balls up there. Uh, and, and maybe they, uh, Jack Del Rio decides to go to McGloin and, and go to the bullpen there. We might see both quarterbacks. We might see both starting quarterbacks yanked tomorrow. I don't know if Tom Savage is cleared uh, from his injuries or not. I think he had a concussion. Um, I should have looked this up before the show. Uh, but I, I don't know if he's uh, uh, going to be active or not. Uh, I have no idea who the third string quarterback for Houston is if he's not active. Uh, but I think he might be active as well. So I think there's a, there's a chance we might see both quarterbacks if the action goes as bad as it might go. Uh, I'll tell you what, it's a waste of two really good wide receiver duos, that's for sure, to have these two guys out there because Osweiler has been wasting uh, Will Fuller and, and DeAndre Hopkins all season. Remember DeAndre Hopkins last year, the, all this parade of quarterbacks that came in uh, before Brian Hoyer sort of quote-unquote solidified it? And Hopkins was making plays with all of them. It didn't matter who was up there throwing the ball. He got it. He got it. He went up there and got it. And that hasn't happened with Osweiler all year. He has not taken advantage of DeAndre Hopkins at all. Uh, And then on the other side, Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree have got to go through their third quarterback already. Uh, And they're kind of looking around going, what's going on here? We, you know, we just got used to the, to the backup guy and now the backup backup is in. Um, So that there's, two sets of wide receivers that really need good quarterback play to, to excel. Um, and they're not getting it right now. So the matchups on both sides of the ball look like this. It looks like Oakland using sort of that, uh, that hammer rodent running style uh, that I like to talk about. You got, you, sometimes they're called thunder and lightning. You got the, the heavy hitter guy and then the little fast twitch guy coming after that. I call it 
uh, hammer and rodent when it comes to uh, Oakland because you got the hammer, uh, Latavius Murray. He, he can scat when he gets some room, but he's mostly a, a sort of a barrel through the tacklers type guy. Uh, and then Jalen Richard comes in. He's a weapon out of the backfield. He can catch it. He can take it between the tackles. He can really burn. He's got a lot of speed to him. Uh, going against the tough up the middle Houston run defense with Vince Wilfork. Uh, so that's a, a good solid matchup. Uh, now on the other side, Houston's uh, they got some uneven run blocking schemes sometimes. They used to be a lot better with uh, the guy that just retired, uh, Arian Foster. Uh, when they had their zone blocking scheme with him, but Lamar Miller's done pretty well. Uh, it, it's it's uneven, but he's he's had some moments. Uh, but he gets to go against that Oakland mannequin challenge defense that I like to talk about a lot. That gives up chunk plays in the air on the ground, no matter what. Uh, the Raiders defense can give it up. It's, it's just one of those amazing things. They got such great playmakers on the edge. Uh, with Bruce Irvin and Khalil Mack, but if they don't get to the quarterback, if they don't make the tackles, there's nobody left. No one else seems to make plays on that Oakland defense. Uh, and then in the air is Houston's um, mostly bad offense, uh, uh, mostly bad Brock Osweiler, but he's he's had some moments uh, against Oakland's pretty much mostly bad defense. Uh, I, I remember this game. I was looking through my notes this season. Osweiler – when his back was against the wall, he actually made a few plays, uh, sp- specifically week six against the Colts. The Colts were winning 20 to nine and Brock Osweiler was having a really bad game, a typical bad game. And he just decided to start making all the throws all of a sudden. And they came all the way back and won the game. There's something about that, that home stadium. That's there's a reason Houston has a seven and one record at home. Um, and I don't know what that magic is exactly, but they found a way to do it. I'm actually going to take Brock Osweiler to sort of find a way to make some plays against that Oakland mannequin challenge defense. And I'm actually going to take the Houston Texans and give the four points. Uh, I think Bill O'Brien's going to try to protect Osweiler with some short passes, tight ends in the middle, some draw plays. Um, I, I like the, uh, the coaching uh, of Bill O'Brien. I think he is really in tune with his guy, uh, when he knows that his guy's on the same page with him. He tried to get Osweiler on the same page all year. It didn't work. He said, all right, the hell with it. Let's go with Tom Savage. And now that he's got Osweiler back, uh, for some reason, I think they're, they're actually going to click this time. I think they're going to actually make it work. And I'm actually going to take the Texans and uh, and give the four. Jason, are you there? Yep, I'm here. I had the mute button on. Ah. So, yeah. No, I was saying this game is eerily similar to the playoff game that we had a couple of years ago with the Panthers and the Cardinals. Not last year's version, the previous year's version, um, where the clearly more talented Arizona team went to the 7-9 and division-winning Panthers. However, Ryan Lindley was starting at quarterback after Carson Palmer and Drew Stanton both went down. And if this doesn't feel similar to that, um, it should. We have Oakland with all the talent in the world. They don't have it on defense. They definitely don't have it on that side of the ball, but they do have a couple of guys. I mean, they have some guys. They're not just, just the worst back there. 
but they don't really stop anybody. And Houston isn't a team that's really going to just put it up on them. You know, so I wasn't really looking at this pick being too worried if Derek Carr was there that Houston was just going to outscore them. We saw that in the first game that Houston was up and hung around, but then Oakland just kind of flipped that switch and just, hey, even with a couple of questionable spots at the end of that game, Oakland's offense clearly excelled in the fourth quarter of that game. And as we highlighted when we recapped that game, any team, Houston, that gives up a 70-yard touchdown reception to a fullback deserves to lose. (laughs) It's just, it doesn't matter. They should have just ended the game right then and just waved it off. You know, just like like in a boxing match. Just just walk out and be like, you know what? No, just give it to these guys. And the winner Um, by technical knockout, the Oakland Raiders. So this is one of those picks where because we obviously we have no clue what we're going to get with Connor Cook. Played a little bit last week. Eh, wasn't that great. Um, first career start is a playoff game. Has not happened in the Super Bowl era. So this is this is something we've never seen before. So we really don't know what we're going to get. We unfortunately know everything that we're going to get with the Houston Texans. They play good defense. I mean, we've, I, I'll, I'll eat some crow. I think we'll all have to eat a little crow there. We all wrote them off for the most part when J.J. Watt went down. But like They're not going to be the same team. And they ended up having like the top defense in the league. So good for them. that they were, they were good enough everywhere else that losing, you know, the basically the best, one of the best, if not the best defensive players in the league. Um, and they still managed to have a great season on that side of the football. So good for them. You know, we'll give them the golf clap, you know, good job guys. But that offense so bad. I mean, I mean, I think Tom Savage just ran his head into the other team and that was the concussion protocol. You were correct. I don't know if Tom Savage just did that on purpose. He's like, you know what guys just hit, just, just hit me in the head um, on a, on a quarterback I mean, sneak. Basically it ended up happening. He gets his, he gets his noggin, uh, he gets his noggin bashed around on a quarterback sneak, and then all of a sudden they have to go back to Osweiler. Um, and, and you know, we we've made fun of them so bad all year, and, and you, this wasn't the game that I had the uh, statistic for. Oh. It was the Detroit game, but Uh-oh. I was very aware of this statistic because this is the one that's been popping up all week as well, which is the Texans and their point differential. But I don't think it really matters. And that's why I'm sort of going back in history here to that game two years ago with the Pan- uh, with the Panthers and the Cardinals because it didn't matter how good the Cardinals were. They were starting Ryan Lindley. And it didn't matter that they were on the road at a seven-win division-winning team. They went and they lost. Big. And it's what I have... That's what's yeah, and that's what I th- I see happening here. I hate to concur with you, especially with the Texans. Um, although I have a feeling if this was a full strength uh, Oakland team with Derek Carr, we wouldn't. Neither one of us would have Houston, but we'll never know. <laughs> we'll truly never know, uh, and that's that's sad. It was sad for that Arizona team for how good they were. And it's sad for this Oakland team for what they had put together that at 12 and four and everything that they did with all the, 
the, the last second magic and all the miracle finishes and, and you know Jack Del Rio rolling the dice all the way back to week one with that two-point conversion uh, to win their game. It was no time left, basically. This is it. Two-point, we either win or we go home, and that's it. Back in week one, started this with them, and then the win that they had last second win against Baltimore, the comeback with Houston, just, just all year, all this magic. Derek Carr breaks his leg. Matt McGloin, not that I don't, I don't even think I would have had Matt McGloin going in there, but unfortunately, I have to concur with you on this pick, and it kills me to do so. Um, this is not the one I'm going to find myself uh, manning up and disagreeing with you on at all. Um, I, I, I did pick a score, and of course, our X factor for every game. I've got Houston winning this game, twenty-two to fifteen. Um, and the, and I have a feeling that that Oakland scoring is going to be some garbage time stuff. I think that this is going to be low scoring, obviously, but I think that Houston, uh, just, you know, kick a bunch of field goals, maybe get in the end zone once I've got it 22 to 15. You highlighted Brock Osweiler's hatred of, uh, going to wide receivers which is why I have, as the X Factor in this game, maybe get into the end zone. The only time of the game for them uh, would be their tight end, C.J. Fedorovich. Seems to be the only target that he trusts in that offense, which is sad. Or maybe the only target Bill O'Brien trusts to call for him. That's true. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, my score pick for this game, I don't have any confidence in Connor Cook, despite never having seen him throw. Um, I'm going Houston 24, Oakland 6. Uh, if he throws up a lot of jump balls, Ryan Fitzpatrick-like, then very much Ryan Fitzpatrick-like. Uh, he might be interception Bernie Sanders and throwing a lot of balls to the other team because the Houston Texans do have a very talented secondary, uh, which leads me to my X factor of A.J. Boye, the cornerback for the Houston Texans, who's been making plays all year long, 48 solo tackles and 16 passes defense, which is a very unique combination. You usually don't find a lot of DBs that like to go make the tackle and also get up and knock the ball away. Usually they like one or the other, but A.J. Boye this year has been a man for all seasons, so to speak. Yeah, we spent... How, how did we spend so much time on that game? Oh. Because I'm a gas bag and I got all these notes written out for each game. Um, I'll try to condense them down. Doesn't mean you got to use them. It doesn't mean you got to use them. That's true. Uh, on tomorrow <laughs> night uh, at 8 o'clock Eastern or 8.30, one of the two, um, it'll be the Detroit Lions and the Seattle Seahawks. Detroit at 9-7, and seven, backing their way into the playoffs because the Redskins couldn't get the job done. Detroit three and five on the road this year. Seattle ten five and one seven and one at home as normal. They like to dominate at home. Nothing has changed there. Uh, let's address the elephant in the room there for Detroit. Their plus minus is minus twelve on the season. We've talked about that all year. How they just keep winning these close games and and don't really blow anybody out. They they don't they didn't get blown out that much themselves, but they certainly didn't blow anybody out. They just kind of hung around and stayed close to everybody all season long. So this is a very strange year for the for the Lions, but they made it in. So can't take that away from them. Uh the Detroit defense will give you some chunk plays. We know they can't handle prosperity. We know if they go up, they're gonna go right back down. 
so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, and but you got to give them credit. Matthew Stafford is no China doll anymore. I, I can't use that moniker for him. He's been as tough as they get this year. He's been playing through a, a bent fingertip, uh, which is something I know I would be still crying right now if I had a bent fingertip. And he's been numbing that thing up and putting this one-fingered glove on and, and playing through that and playing well, too. He's actually gotten a lot of uh, zip on his ball. Uh, in a typically dreary, drizzly Seattle tomorrow, we'll see if that has any uh, effect on him. But so far, so far, so good. He's been, he's been playing well. Uh, we've got a couple of intricate offensive minds going against each other and Jim Bob Cooter for the Lions going uh, against Daryl Bevel for the Seahawks. And we'll see how that plays out. Both men are uh, not afraid to go to some uh, different play calls and, and some creative play calls. Uh, Bevel's going to have to do it against Terrell Austin's all-out blitz for the Detroit defense. Uh, but that seems to be about all they got on defense. If they don't get home on a blitz, they don't really have much for you. Uh, and Stephen Terrell on the Seattle side of the defense, that's the Earl Thomas substitute. Neither one of us have ever heard of Stephen Terrell. That's the guy replacing Earl Thomas at safety uh, for, for the Seahawks. So good luck, kid. That's all we can tell you. Good luck because they're going to need it. Russell Wilson, not the same player this year with his different leg injuries, seemed to be sort of working his way back all year from that, bouncing back. He's looked a little better lately the last few ga few games. Not as immobile, but still doesn't look like the old Russell Wilson. Uh, and I tell you what, when he doesn't look like the same Russell Wilson, you know what that Seattle offense reminded me of all year, going back to our Vegas trip? Reminded me of that Minnesota game last year in the playoffs where the, oh, the Seahawks couldn't get anything generated. Just one of the uglier playoff games you'll ever see because neither the Seahawks or the Vikings could do much of anything in that snow. And I was sitting there in the airport watching that game, just kind of shaking my head going, what's going on? Out of, what the hell's going on out here? It was just uh, ugly to watch on all fronts. Uh, both offensive lines giving way on passing downs to either team. So that's going to be a big key, which pass rush gets home first, which offensive coordinator adjusts the best and starts calling shorter plays and, and plays to get rid of the ball quicker. Cause both old lines can get their quarterback beat up really quick. The matchups break down the Detroit combination of Zach Zinner and Dwayne Washington. That's who they got at running back right now. Cause uh, Amir Abdullah's out. Uh, Theo Riddick is out. They're really going short on their running game. Uh, the Seattle D-line can get pushed around, so they may even find some success, but I don't think they're going to find that much. Uh, Seattle's middling run game all year, uh, but they, they got Thomas Rawls back. He's been trying to get back to shape. He's been hurt most of the year, and he's trying to bounce back and get into form. He's, he's shown some flashes here and there. Uh, against the Detroit Lions, he might actually have a lot of success because that team, from what I watched all year, that's not the best tackling team you've ever seen. They have trouble getting guys on the ground. The Detroit wide receivers don't get open, but they make tricky catches. They're not the fastest guys, but they, they make a lot of tough catches. They're very good with their hands uh, against the Seattle DBs who've seen it all, been there, done that, Richard Sherman and the boys. So we'll see how that goes. And the Seattle uh, boom or or bust passing game. Uh, if Russell Wilson doesn't get it downfield in a hurry, there's not much left. He doesn't have time to really do a whole lot of checking down and going to uh, short routes and whatnot. It's pretty much bombs in the air or nothing. Uh, but he's going against a Detroit defense that's very generous. 
Uh, they've got the one cornerback that's been good all year, Darius Slay. He really outworks the wide receivers and makes a, a lot of nice plays on the ball. But other than that, there's not much there. So I think what's going to happen is the Seahawks are going to figure that out. Russell Wilson is going to throw a lot of bombs to guys that are not on Darius Slay's side of the field. So Jimmy Graham streaking down the seam, uh, whichever wide receiver on either side is not being covered by Slay, who just go to the other one down the field. I think it's going to be a lot of chunk plays in the air for Seattle, and that's how they're going to get their points. And when Detroit tries to make their patented comeback, which they've done all year, I just can't see Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and Deshaun Shedd and all those guys letting Stafford come back and beat them. They know what's coming. They know uh, what's the Lions are going to try to do. And I think they're going to make just enough plays, just barely enough plays in the end to hold on and and win this game and cover the spread. It's a big spread. The the Seahawks are are giving eight points against the Detroit Lions. I I consider taking Detroit, but in the end, I'm going to take Seattle and give the eight. I I can't go against those veterans. Uh, They've been there, done that. And I can't go against CenturyLink Field. There's still no tougher place to play in football, as far as I'm concerned, than having to go to Seattle. So I will take the Seahawks and give the eight. Jason, are you on mute again? Like I said said before the show, show, I've had these picks picks all week. So, so this is the end that tough spot, spot because, because yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm completely with you on this one. I've got Seattle as well. well. Um, um, even with the eight, it's a big number. That's a really big number. number. Uh, but the, but the, the statistic, statistic, I saw really a statistic. But this is very telling to the Detroit Lions. I didn't realize it until you stopped me to hear it. Think about it. You know what? That's true. That's right. Of course, it's right. It happened, it happened, but you never really thought, never thought, of thought of it. Detroit's, Detroit's nine, wins. nine wins. Zero of them came against the playoff teams. Uh. Zero. <laughs> so this is the worst possible spot. I kind of gave it away a little bit when I said I would have rather have had the Redskins in this game um, because I think that that team is much more dynamic. Um, I, I don't trust the... Lions running game up in Seattle. If there's weather involved, I definitely don't trust it. And, you know, we, we highlighted Matthew. St- and this makes sense when you put it in perspective is what we talked about so sort of glowingly about Matthew Stafford was him throwing the ball into those tight windows and, and making, you know, plays without Megatron. And now that you think about it, you're like, you know what? Yeah. You can do that against bad teams. <laughs> and they lost to good teams, basically. So, overall, Detroit bum-slayed their way to the playoffs. We, we joked about the Steelers doing it this way, but in reality, it was Detroit. Uh, they can't run. You cannot go on the road in the playoffs and not run the football and expect anything real positive to happen. And yeah, Seattle hasn't been the most impressive team this year. That was a down year for that division. I mean, when you look at the other three teams in that division between the Rams, the Cardinals that just completely fell off a cliff, and then the 49ers, it was sort of Seattle's to lose. There was almost no way they've, you know, seven and nine, they would have won that division. So 
they had the clear pathway. They didn't have to do a lot, and they didn't show a lot. But at home, yes, that's a lot of points, but I really don't think Detroit is going to be very game here. Um, they've tried all year long. I will give them credit for that. I could see this being a close game into the third quarter, but I think that Seattle's just going to have too much you know, pride in that home field. They're going to get under the skin of the Lions. That's a, that's a dome team going on the road in conditions. Seattle, they're used to this. I mean, we, we, we almost admire every year the way Seattle just sort of starts off every year sluggish. You know, they're just going to sort of round out into form. This is what they're made for. You've been there, done that. They've won a Super Bowl, lost, should should have won two. But, hey, okay, they won one and went twice in a row. Yeah. But this is what they're all about. This is what they do. Um, I have Seattle here 27-17. So not a blowout cover. Um, but, again, this is almost another one of those where I could see this being like a 27-10 to game. And Matthew Stafford, you know, gets the pride going, maybe goes on a four-minute drive late in the game, and and they score almost a completely meaningless touchdown that that puts things in question for Milt. Maybe they'll cover. Uh, but I think Seattle has enough here to hang on. And you mentioned Russell Wilson uh, going to his, his alternate targets, whoever Darius Slay is in covering. I'm keeping my eye on as an X factor here, a guy – that's always hurt for them, but now he's healthy and they're starting to work him into the offense. And that's Paul Richardson, who's always been talked about as being their burner that they've never had. And now he's actually healthy. Also, don't be surprised if he blows his hammy out in the first quarter. <laughs> that's a hell of an X factor to call him as an X factor to, to get hurt. That would be a hell of a call. Um, I've got, uh, I'm not going to lie. I got Seattle by eight and I did, I did that before the, before I saw oh, the so you've got I the push. I, yeah, I had to pick one side or the other. I got Seattle 28 to 20. Um, I can see a late touchdown by Matthew Stafford as well to bring them within that. Um, but I had to pick one and so I'm going to go with Seattle and, and, and give the eight, but obviously I don't feel too great about that. Uh, I'm even taking a line as an X factor here. I've got Anquan Bolden. The old man is still one of the best possession receivers in football. He turned 36 years old this past October, and he's got eight touchdowns on the season. He can still make the play. He can still go up and get the football, which is very, very important. And I think that might be uh, to, something to play a factor for the Lions uh, tomorrow night. So what'd you end up having that score? Uh, what was your score? 28 to 20. Oh, okay. So we're pretty close on our prediction for that one. Indeed. Uh, we'll see how close we are on this one. Miami-Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon at 1 Eastern to start off the Sunday slate of Wild Card Weekend. 10-6 and six Dolphins, 4-4 four and four on the road, and they've got uh, some substitutions at quarterback as well with Matt Moore. Ryan Tannehill was rumored to be trying to rehab and get back on the field, but he's not going to make it anytime soon. Pittsburgh, the AFC North champions, 11-5, and 6-2 at home. Uh, completely ruined my prediction of them missing the playoffs and firing their coach, so they stuck it to me on that front, no doubt about that. Uh, this one is a, a rematch of a game earlier this year as well. In week six, uh, the Dolphins found out firsthand how – much the Pittsburgh Steelers can melt down against an opponent 
uh, as they beat the Steelers in Miami 30-15. to 15. They didn't just beat them. They beat them by double digits. They doubled the score on them. Uh, and we talked about that all year. When the Steelers lose, they lose. They don't just lose by a little bit. They get beat. Uh, now, Ben Roethlisberger got hurt in that game. He tried to play through it. He looked like he wasn't anywhere near uh, the same player after he got injured. He probably shouldn't have played through it because he missed the next game. Uh, but the fact is the fact, and the fact is the Steelers went to Miami, got their ass kicked this year, and now Miami has to come to Pittsburgh with a different quarterback, and we'll see if it's a similar result or if the Steelers will turn the tables on them. I think a lot of people obviously think the Steelers will be turning the tables, not just because it's Matt Moore instead of Ryan Tannehill, but because it's the Steelers. Everyone loves the Steelers. Uh, is that a big difference? Is Matt Moore really a downgrade from Ryan Tannehill when you think about it. And I'm not sure. We know Tannehill makes big plays, but we also know he's, he makes a lot of big mistakes. We know that we've heard sniping from his anonymous teammates throughout the years uh, that some of his bad mistakes uh, really cost the team. And, and it's something that they want to see him uh, maybe punished for before he got hurt. Maybe they wanted to see him demoted anyway. So Maybe Matt Moore is the sort of veteran calming uh, guy that they need back there instead of uh, the wildly erratic Ryan Tannehill. Uh, here's another playoff team that's got a minus uh, on their ledger for the season as a plus minus. The Dolphins are minus 17 uh, plus minus for the year at 10 and 6. That's hard to do, to, to lose four less games uh, than you win and yet be a minus 17 on the year. That says a lot about you as well. Uh, the Steelers are nowhere near that. They are way up on the ledger on the season. Uh, but as I already said, no one knows that Pittsburgh melts down more than the Dolphins. They were there. They saw it happen. When the Steelers go down, they go down hot. Uh, looks like cold and flurries in Pittsburgh for this game. So no warm weather for anybody. Does that favor either team? It probably favors the Steelers seems to have a running game a little more consistent and ready to, to sled through any kind of cold weather. Uh, but I don't count, I don't discount the, the Dolphins running game completely because Jay Ajayi has made some real waves this season. Uh, we'll see if we can keep that up against the Steelers. Uh, I'm a big fan of Adam Gase, the Dolphins coach. I think uh, those who listen to the show know that I'm a fan of his from his days with the Bears. He uh, got a really nice season out of Jay Cutler, probably the best season out of Cutler uh, his entire tenure in Chicago, even counting the year that he went to the conference finals. Um, and then he left and, and Cutler went downhill from there. Uh, he's devised big plays all season and it's backed up in the stats. Uh, the Dolphins are one of a very few handful of teams that averaged over four and a half yards per carry and over seven and a half yards per pass attempt. That's pretty rarefied air as far as I'm concerned. You don't really think of the Dolphins as a big play offense, but uh, Adam Gase has come up with some things uh, and he might be ready to go toe to toe with Todd Haley and the Steelers offense, who we know makes big plays happen all the time. But in fact, this year, they may have held back a little bit. It would stun a lot of people to know that the Steelers averaged less yards per carry than the Dolphins, 4.3 to 4.5. And they averaged less yards per pass attempt than the Dolphins, 7.3 to 7.8. Usually, they're up there in both accounts, uh, but not this year. It almost seemed like they were holding back a little bit. 
Ben Roethlisberger had some of those performances that we talked about and some of those losses that the Steelers had where he looked like he wasn't all there. He wasn't 100% healthy. And I specifically remember that game uh, where he threw three interceptions at the beginning of it against the Buffalo Bills in the snow, and they completely just shut him off and just had Le'Veon Bell run, 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 and run some more the rest of the game uh, and just went with the run game. Uh, So it looks to me like they – purposely went backwards and said, let's, let's throttle the offense down. Let's save some of those bullets for the playoffs. And we know they got bullets. We know they got uh, big balls, pass offense, big guys making big catches downfield. You just name it. It's whether it's uh, Antonio Brown, it's Eli Rogers. Uh, remember at the beginning of the year, Sammy Coates had this patented 40 yard play that he made every game. It seems uh, so they can make plays no matter what. Um, We'll see if that can work against the Miami uh, defense, which is so dependent on their pass rush to, to really defend the anything happening behind them. It's all about Cameron Wake and the pass rush. And we talked about the hurries a little bit, trying to figure out who which team could hurry the, the, the passer more. Well, the Dolphins led the league in hurries. They had 129 hurries that led the NFL. So they're completely dependent on getting to the quarterback in order to to have any kind of success on the defensive side. Uh, we know about Le'Veon Bell and his monster weaponry. He can run it, he can catch it, he can do whatever you want. Uh, the Miami run defense uh, seems like they can be ground down as the game goes on. So that might be something where you see them throttle the offense back again and let Le'Veon Bell take over, especially late. Uh, on Miami side of the ball, they they have a scheme-based passing game with Adam Gase. They really rely on scheme, uh, and they might have some success against these slow, undisciplined Pittsburgh defensive backs. I've not been a fan of the Steelers' defensive backs. I think they try to make a lot of hits, and they try to go for a lot of balls, but they don't really stay in their lane, so to speak, and, and they can get beat like that. Uh, flexible running backs, Jay Ajay, they've got other weapons as well, Damian Williams. Uh, they can catch the ball. They can run it. Uh, the running game against the Pittsburgh heavy hitters, Ryan Shazier, Jarvis Jones, James Harrison, Stephon Tewitt is back off uh, the injury report. He's going to play. So that's a big weapon added for the Steelers. Uh, in the end, I think the public loves Pittsburgh a little too much. That spreads 10 and a half. I think it was probably 10 all week. And it's went up a half a point, at least in the uh, the, the contest here. That's too much. I'm taking the Dolphins. Uh, I think the actually uh, the quarterback, Matt Moore, will make some plays on the Pittsburgh secondary. He's going to go toe-to-toe with Ben Roethlisberger, and I, I don't think he's going to get outplayed because he's got enough of, of a sort of a veteran calmness about him that he's not going to to be afraid of the moment. And I think the, Steel, the, the Dolphins are going to hang in there with the Steelers. they got Pittsburgh winning. 31 to 27, obviously Miami covering a big spread, 10 and a half. I will go with the fish and the points. Yeah, this goes back to that original matchup, which was, I was, this is back when I was like, I couldn't win a pick. It seemed like the first few weeks of the year. So any pick I made was almost worthy of being laughed at. But I remember this pick because this was that one where I said, you know what? I actually have Miami as a, they were a big home dog in that game because they had played like crap up to that point. And I had Miami to win that game. And I remember you kind of mocked me on the show 
um, per se. Not only did I have Miami to cover, I thought that they were going to spring up a trap and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, you know. And I deserved it because up until that point, I was like, I was terrible. I mean, I started, my year started off so bad and I was in the hole all year, all based on basically how bad the first two weeks of my year were. It got better after that. But this was the game, this was that Jay Ajayi, sort of like that coming out party for Jay Ajayi, that 200-yard game. Pittsburgh had nothing. And late in that game, they knew they were beat, and they got extremely undisciplined. They started making, uh, you know, dumb, unsportsmanlike penalties. Just they completely fell apart. And, I, you know, all you're subtracting out of this is Ryan Tannehill for a veteran backup. This isn't like what you're taking away from the Raiders. Matt Moore has has been around a while. He's played just fine in these last few games since Ryan Tannehill hasn't been around. In fact, he kind of kept them, you know, kept that offense on on schedule and kept them rolling. Um, so, again, we have no drama. Again, I'm <laughs> completely on board with this. I mean, I there's no way I'm taking Pittsburgh as a 10.5-point favorite uh, in this spot. I don't like I – mean, I haven't liked the Steelers all year. Um, you know – we wanted almost we almost were trying to will Baltimore um, with that less talented roster over Pittsburgh because maybe we're tired of the Steelers. I don't know, but they haven't been that impressive all year anyways. Uh, the one portion and I'm not even I can't even remember if you talked about it, even though it was like three minutes ago. The one area you did talk about the hurries, but that front line of the Dolphins will be able to get after Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, Cameron Wake on one side, Adamic and Sue on the other. He's either going to be in a rush or on his booty, and that's not what you want. And Roethlisberger, you get him hit hard a few times, uh, has a tendency also over the last few years to not last in games. And we could very likely see that front four of the Dolphins making a huge impact in this game. Um just to show even more how in lockstep we are, my score final prediction is 31-26. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> for this game. I, I mean, you said 31-26. I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, I have this game going down. Pittsburgh 31-26. to I, just, I don't quite see Miami winning, but I wouldn't be stunned, which is what makes this spread confusing to me. Because I don't see these teams that unevenly matched, and is this is this Matt Moore hatred? Uh, is this uh, you know unnecessary, irrational Steeler love? Um, I don't know, but I I don't see this game being a, t- a ten and a half point. This does not strike me as the biggest line of the weekend. Um, Steelers we by the way in six. Um, yeah, we're, we're seven and a half point favorites. And the reason I yeah. was laughing at you for taking Miami is because the Steelers naturally were my lock of the week. Oh, <laughs> well, we all know how that went for you this year. Um, yes. So exactly. not only did I have the Dolphins to win the game, you had the Steelers as your lock of the week. That's classic. I believe the final was like 30 to 15, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't close. Yes. Um, and I know it was down in Miami, and this is in Pittsburgh. They'll have the fans behind them. But what do we always talk about? 
you can take on the road with you, a defense and a running game. Uh, Miami's got both. Or am I wrong there? I mean, you know, they can run and they can get after you. Very good recipe for success. I would not be shocked if Miami went to Pittsburgh and won this game, which is, like I said, the spread makes no sense. Um, we talked about those two outside rushers. I'm going with my X factor, the guy who made an impact up the middle in the last game, um, sort of, you know, escaping from those double teams that the other guys are getting. And that was Alan branch. He had a sack and a half in the last matchup. Don't be shocked if he does it again. My X factor, uh, to have Matt Moore come through with a big aerial performance to stay with Ben Roethlisberger, he's certainly going to need his best receiver, Jarvis Landry, to come through. That's not my X factor. The other side of the ball, Kenny Stills, is my X factor because he's got a touchdown in each of Matt Moore's three starts, and he's got nine touchdowns for the year. Kid's only 24 years old. People didn't think much of him after he left New Orleans, but he's making an impact. And if he can get both those guys going and uh, Javar, uh, Devontae Parker as well. I think the, the Dolphins have a good chance of hanging around with the Steelers. And on to the Green Bay Packers and the New York Giants up there in your frozen tundra area of the country. New York at 11-5, and five, Green Bay at 10-6. and six. This is also a rematch of a game earlier this year in Week 5 on Sunday Night Football. The Packers beat the Giants 23-16. to 16. I certainly remember that one. That was a game where the Giants and Eli Manning played like crap for the entire game until Odell Beckham got a late touchdown to backdoor cover a 7.5-point spread and then went and tried to make love to the kicking net. In any event, the Giants are not 7.5-point underdogs this time. They're only 5-point underdogs. That's a little more... Uh, natural, a little closer to what I think is going to happen. Um, I've been hearing this, not just on one show, not just on one podcast, but I've been hearing it a lot. Stop calling the New York Giants the best defense in the NFL. Stop it. They're okay. They're pretty good. They're not the best defense in the NFL. I've heard this so many times. Oh, they remind me of that team that won the title. No one thought much of them either. That Stop. Stop it. They're not that good. They're okay. They're, they're not that good. That defense fails to get off the field a lot of times. I don't know what games these people are watching. They they give up just enough to get the first down. They keep staying on the field. They give up these long drives. They give up nine-minute drives, 16 play. That they're not that good. They get up, they get pressures, they get some hurries, they don't get a lot of sacks, and they don't have Jason Pierre Paul. The best defense in football, really. Really? How do you feed it? I don't, I don't know how people uh, talk about that. I really don't. On the Giants' side of the football, injury is an issue as well because uh, no Quentin Rollins in their defensive backfield means there's going to be more of Ladarius Gunter. I saw a lot of Ladarius Gunter this year, and it wasn't good. He got toasted a lot, so that's going to hurt the Packers trying to defend the Giants and, and Eli Manning. But as we talk about with the Giants and the passing game, stop Odell Beckham and stop the Giants. That still seems to be the case. I don't see anything changing about that. Thing is, in week five, the Packers did not stop Odell Beckham, at least not at the end of the game, uh, like I said, with that backdoor cover. Now, that's a different Aaron Rodgers that's out there right now as well. He's playing his best football. Uh, However, he can also play some bad football. Uh, He was not very good in that game, as I recall, uh, against the Giants earlier this year. 
Uh, but like I said, it's a different guy right now. So we'll see which Aaron Rodgers shows up. I think the, the good Aaron Rodgers probably will come through once again. Uh, but I don't know. People keep saying, oh, it's the best defense in football. Stop it with that. Uh, he's going to zip some balls in there uh, before the Giants can knock it away. And that's a problem because that's how the Giants defend passes. Is they, they get in there and they knock balls away. They don't really hang with the, the receivers. Don't expect them to go sprinting down the field with them. Uh, but they can play tight man coverage and and, and knock some passes away. Uh, on the other side of the ball, the Giants are finally getting some production on uh, on the running game because Paul Perkins has provided sort of a shot of caffeine for them. Uh, he'll be taking on that Green Bay tough uh, run defense. They fill a lot of holes and they make a lot of plays uh, in the run game. So we'll see which side comes out on top there. The, the Packers, of course, getting Ty Montgomery is limited burst. Uh, we'll see how much they use that against the 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 Giants, I'll give them credit. They pop on the run defense. Snacks, Harrison, and, and Olivier Vernon do make a lot of good stops in the run game. So I'll give them that much credit. But to call them the best, no. So uh, who to trust more, basically, is what that comes down to. Odell Beckham and Eli Manning, Jordy Rogers and, and Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, I still got to trust uh, for the game. I, I guess I would trust the Packers and Lambo, But I still think if you don't stop Odell, and I don't think the Packers have the defense to necessarily stop Odell Beckham once again. So I'm actually going to take the Giants again to cover the spread. This time it's only five points, but I'm taking New York and the five. My score for that one, Green Bay 26, Giants 23. Okay, you didn't leave me much time here, but that's because uh, I hate to do this, but I concur. Really? I I I feel so solid with the picks this week. I have to agree. I, I literally am just going to punt and we'll play for my strength next week. I'm more worried about disagreeing with you on any of these four and losing points. That's how firmly I am behind these four picks. I have the Giants winning this game, 1917. Oh. Um, it's going to be really cold. Um. I, I don't and not it's not gonna be a snow game. It's gonna be a cold game. I don't I think that they will play this game really tight. Um the Packers secondary is 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 dreadful. I, they don't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. I think that the Giants will have just enough to sort of eke out a victory. Um and uh we'll talk a little bit more about that in the after show. All right, you'll hear our X Factors and then any other breakdown that we have of this game in the after show. Thank you for joining us live, and we will see you on the other side. Enjoy your wild card football. And now into our VIP after show. Uh, where we get to break down a little bit more of the Giants and the Packers. Yeah, this is one that, that it's the main event of the weekend. It's the one everyone's going to be looking forward to, and I'm really going to be interested to see this game. You think the Giants are actually going to come out on top as hot as Aaron Rodgers has been playing? That's really surprising. Yeah, and again, though, this Packers run, you know, which which you talk about um, the Giants' defense getting a lot of unnecessary attention and love. Oh I'm going to go on record here saying Aaron Rodgers getting MVP consideration. Ridiculous. <laughs> it, it, you know, He's they're pretty damn good. 
he's been pretty damn good for six, seven weeks. Yeah. But that's how is that valid as an argument when they're knocking Tom Brady for missing the first four games? Tom Brady didn't even play for four games, but for the 12 he played, he was amazing. Aaron Rodgers played the first half of the season like he was asleep. I mean, they he his yards per attempt. I mean, you're Mr. Yards per attempt. Everything that he was doing, that offense wasn't moving. And with even without the running game, he's supposed to be, he's MVP caliber. He should be elevating that team. And he wasn't. And they, they had the same guys. They still had Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, and they had all these guys. They had the same guys. And then Aaron Rodgers got hot. Six weeks of a hot streak does not mean you're the MVP. So stop that. So you won't want to hear anything about <laughs> Eli Manning and the Giants, that defense. You don't want to hear anything about that defense. or you know, And I don't want to hear anything about Aaron Rodgers in the MVP conversation at all. Um, it's also been, let's, let's just be honest here. They haven't really played anybody during the streak, right? No, I mean, the Vikings, the bears, the lions, that division, right? Uh, right. the Texans in a blizzard. <laughs> I mean, so they had the win against, be, oh, we can, oh, Philadelphia. They went to Philadelphia. Oh, wait, that doesn't look so impressive now anymore either. Does it? So as no, well, but. The Texans is one of the best defenses in the league. Rodgers was playing hot enough that he could overcome that. And the Vikings were played, thought to be one of the best defenses in the league all you know before I, the year began. I watched that game, though. I watched that game in the snow against the Texans. The Texans completely outplayed the Packers for three and a half quarters. And the Packers basically ended up with a situation where it was like a touchdown to take the lead, a turnover, another quick touchdown. And that ended up looking a lot more lopsided than the game actually was. That game was in doubt for most of the game if you were a Packer fan. And then, like, with about eight, maybe seven, eight minutes left to go, and then, you know, bam, bam, a couple of touchdowns. Okay, we got some breathing room, which I will all of a sudden, uh, which I will also tell you, the Packers also very quickly found a way to give up a completely ridiculous wide open touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins, like a 50 yard bomb to put the game back into question again, which they had still ended up winning by seven, but that was a low scoring uneventful, uh, basically the kind of game you'd expect in really bad weather uh, with snow and just cold and wind. Um, It wasn't on paper. It looked like a not very interesting game. Oh yeah. Packers won. They won easy. They really didn't win that game easy. They had to play really hard in that game um, to beat a team that we sort of laugh at a lot. They didn't really beat anybody in that stretch of all these wins to run up and get into the playoffs, especially with hindsight now. And you look back at those teams with the Vikings falling apart, the Lions falling apart, the Bears having the worst season in their history, uh, Houston in a, in, in a snowstorm, and the Eagles, who completely fell apart in the second half of the season. And there's another team some in there that I'm forgetting, but let's just assume that they weren't anybody either because I can't even remember who they were. So this is – we always – you know, and, and I was down on the Giants all season too, but they are 11-5. and five. 
You can't take that away from them. This is the best team that the Packers have played in a while. Yeah, um, uh, week, uh, what week is this? 14. Uh, the Seahawks came up to Green Bay, got their ass whooped yeah, 38 to 10. That uh, was the one. Nobody and that was the that best coming. game. That was the best game the Packers played all year. That one you can circle. So I'm sorry I remembered that. I didn't forget that one, but that was without a doubt the best game they played all year. They yeah, didn't I think, bracket uh, that with a lot of other performances like that, but that one was great. <laughs> Maybe they've got that in them again, but I think they also got up for the Seahawks because they really don't like each other, those two teams. Uh, they have a little history, let's just say. Um, just a and little. They, they've got, yeah, and they got that team finally coming to Lambeau for a change instead of where it always seems like the Packers are going up to the Northwest and, and, and having something crazy happen up there. You know, blowing a 12-point lead with five minutes left to go, the fail Mary. Um, not a lot, you know, a lot, a lot of, uh, not a lot of uh, good feelings between those two teams. And the Giants don't have that coming here either. The problem um, is the historically with Eli Manning and the Giants is they haven't had a problem going to Lambeau and delivering crushing defeats to the Packers. I could see it happening again. I think the Aaron Rodgers MVP love also comes from their position, making the playoffs, winning the division, uh, which is that's the Vikings collapsing. The Vikings started five and zero. If they played the way they're supposed to and actually held on and won the division, the Packers had to settle for a wild card. I don't think you'd be hearing MVP talk there either. Yeah, I, I just don't agree with it at all. I, I don't even think he's in the conversation. There's there's much more deserving players. Um, that did it all year long, you know, and we were, we were, we were all over the Packers early in the season. I mean, that, that offense, I mean, I know, you know, the numbers better than I do, but they were well under seven for huge portions of the season in that yards per attempt. Right. Category. You're all important yards per attempt. Every game you looked up for Aaron Rodgers, it was 6.6, 6.5. They weren't moving the football. They didn't have the big plays. Um, I always I, I sort of uh, joke about, but it's a, it's there's a lot of truth to it that Aaron Rodgers relies way too heavily on catching teams off sides or with 12 men on the field. It's <laughs> like if he doesn't have the free play, he has nothing. He doesn't know what to do. And the thing that we both pointed out, we were very vocal about this is once Aaron Rodgers got hurt, he got better because he actually had to go through progressions trust the offense, trust the play that was called, and he couldn't just dance around in the pocket. Um, passing up obvious completions, looking for the home run ball, because he was too afraid to get hurt. He was more concerned with just getting the ball out. And that seemed like they got better once his legs were, you know, and you never would think that, oh, you want your quarterback to be mobile. Aaron Rodgers almost proved to be better in the pocket that he was dancing around doing all these crazy angles with his arms and jumping off his back foot. He, he, that offense started humming along also with Ty Montgomery popping some big runs out of the backfield and, and the most unexpected guys making plays for them between him and, and Christine Michael and, uh, oh geez, the, uh, Ripkowski, I believe it was uh, the uh, other, they're, Getting running backs into the mix uh, that we never, you, you know, like come up with a better about, like, name you know, for a big fat fullback guy than Aaron Ripkowski. 
not no, and he could only either be a bear or a packer, right? Yes. So yeah, but they they got better at that point. We'll see and if Aaron Rodgers your, uh... is healthier. If he's healthier now, if he's feeling a little healthier, now I got my legs back. He'll dance himself right into some sacks, <laughs> and 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 there we go again. He'll hold on to the ball for too long. And, and bad things will start to happen, and I can see the Giants kind of getting after it and making life miserable for them in the cold. And the Packers, after nine games, were only at 6.5 yards per throw, which for them is unbelievably yeah. bad. It's like uh, almost Brock Osweiler-like. Um, and That's they finished a year. At, uh, it is. Well, it's terrible for, for Aaron Rodgers. It's, it, it's not mm-hmm. good for anyone else. Uh, they finished at 7.2, which shows the kind of run that he went on at the end there. Like you said, yeah, because to move that number, inferior competition. Because basically, week nine, you're at the halfway point. So to move that number from six point five to seven point two, just rudimentary math says that most of the ha- last half of the season, that number was probably around eight. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't the nines and that's tens that we were seeing, like out of Matt Ryan, <laughs> you know. Um, but still, eight's a solid number. That's what you like to see. That's what you expect to see from that team, and to go to, but that shows. That's why the MVP talk is so ridiculous. Halfway through the season, and Aaron Rodgers was like mid twenties in the league with for for quarterback performance. He was not anywhere close to being considered for this season a top quarterback. So we we've highlighted and talked about the uh, the bad Packers secondary. I think we've talked about that. A lot this year. I've piled on Ladarius Gunter uh, quite a few times on this show. <laughs> and and just overall how bad that, that secondary has been. They've been banged up. Uh, they finally started to get healthy last week. And then Quentin Rollins gets hurt. So they yeah. just can't stay healthy out there. So I, when, I, when I had to get down to it and pick an X factor, um, I went with Sterling Shepard, who can make plays in that offense in somebody other than Odell Beckham if the Giants are going to win has to make a play Odell Beckham made the plays in the first game but it wasn't enough they need somebody else right it was good enough to cover if they are going to win which is what I have I have they have needing somebody else and that's why I picked Sterling Shepard yeah, I like him. He is someone that Eli Manning should look to more, I think, uh, that he's a big body, he's a jump ball, a high point target type guy. Um, Eli just seems to get so locked in on, on Odell, and if he's not locked in on yeah. Odell, weirdly, he seems to get locked in on, like, Will Ty or somebody that doesn't deserve it. It's just he, he, the, the playmaker guys, if it's not Odell Beckham, he doesn't really go to them often enough, I don't believe, so... I like Sterling Shepard. Uh, my X factor pick is the old man Julius Peppers, the now outside linebacker for Green Bay, playing a, a different position than defensive end, but still getting after guys. Uh, seven and a half sacks for for the old man in the specialist role. A couple of forced fumbles this year. He's just he's a big game hunter. It's a big game, and Julius Peppers shows up when there's a, a big game on the line because that's what he does. So I, I think he'll make life a little uncomfortable for Eli Manning back there. Yeah. And this makes this really hard for me because I've had these picks all week. 
I like these picks so much. I'm not willing to disagree with myself on any of these games. Um, so I really, really, so I'm basically, I'm just giving up eight points. It depends right. on how you want to look at it. You're deferring. You're basically deferring the entire wildcard weekend to, to me, basically. Uh, and you're yeah. just going with putting all your eggs in the basket for uh, for the conference semifinal round and trying to make some hay there. Because if you can't really make a dent there, then it's basically all over. Yeah. I mean, so it's basically just, you know, the whole goal of it is to stay within that margin. I'm still there. I mean, they're still after this weekend, which is the lowest leverage weekend of the playoffs. I mean, it's an eight point weekend, but we have another we have a 12 point and another eight point weekend both coming up. So as long as I can stay within five by the Super Bowl, (laughs) you know, that's the goal Uh, just to keep. We've proven that as long as you can keep pushing this along every week, if you just get to the Super Bowl. Someone, you either pick it right and you win, or you pick it wrong and you lose. That's all I'm hoping for is just to get this. I just have to keep pushing this farther and further out. I'm going to at least make it to the division round. Um, I, I don't. I can't look at any one of these four picks and tell you right now which one I don't like or which one I'm like. Oh man, if I had to switch one of these, which one would I switch? I've had these all week. This is normally what I do with the division round. So I can. Look, I'll look at lines. See, like all year, I stopped looking at lines. It actually did me well for a while. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go into this blind. No, for the, for the playoffs, I look. And I looked, and I was like, okay, I got this, 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 and this. I'm done. <laughs> and that's usually what I do for the division round. That's This has that feel for me, which means we're both going to lose all four of these picks. <laughs> Probably. We'll be talking um, about Connor Cook getting his first win in his first start and the lions uh, sneaking in a backdoor cover Pittsburgh uh-huh. blowing out Miami and, and the Packers rolling up the giants. That's what we get to talk about next week on the show. Yeah. The two that I feel the least well about, of course, would be Seattle, Detroit, considering I picked that number right on the numbers. So of course I don't love yeah. having to take Seattle um, and green Bay and the giants all week. I thought I was going to take green Bay until I sat down and, and broke the game down. Kind of hoping you would actually. Yeah. Really I, was I hoping wanted to. You would. I hate going against Aaron Rodgers when he's this hot. Cause last time he was this hot, he went all the way and won a fucking title on me. So I'm, I'm kind of scared of that happening. Um, but, uh, I'm going to go with the, the, it's all about Odell Beckham as always. And, it, it really clouds my judgment probably that I have a game where this matchup happened earlier this year. The Giants already went to Green Bay and covered a spread because yeah. Odell Beckham got loose and made a great play in the back of the end zone uh, and then went and started hugging the, the kicking net and making love to it and whatnot. Um, so I've already <laughs> seen him do that. And I don't really, I really haven't seen much about the Packers uh, back end. They're, they're, they're back. Their, their defensive backs and the way they cover. I haven't seen anything to make me think that he can't do something like that again because they haven't really shown much of anything. Uh, they had that run along with Aaron Rodgers. The defense had that run where they were able to hold the lead because they were playing the, the same inferior competition as you were talking about. But again, when they find teams that can throw, they struggle big time. They There's some throws that get made against their, their zone defense where you got uh, – 
cornerbacks looking back at the at the safeties going, where were you? You're supposed to be over there. It's like they were completely out of position. You'd think they'd be playing in Chicago as much out of position as they've been sometimes. So that, that's got me worried. Yeah, and the Packers, as we've also talked about, seem to lose track of somebody. Almost every game, you there is somebody on the other team having that career day against them. Um, and, I mean, look at what Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, Alshon Jeffrey, Marvin Jones, Julio Jones. Now, Julio Jones is obviously a standout amongst those guys, but that's just five right there that I can think of just off the top of my head that had just monster games against the Packers. Although against Atlanta, everybody had a monster game against the Packers. Um, I mean, so Taylor all Gabriel, of everybody was going insane. All those guys went off, and those were just me picking those guys out of you know off the top of my head. Right now, you can look back, and you could probably look at any game and find somebody who had a good game. But people were having like unusually good games against that secondary this year. So with all of that, what would you guess that the Packers gave up in yards per attempt on defense? Oh, I'd say high sevens. That'd, that'd be my guess or something like that. 8.1. Ooh. Ooh. They were next to last in yards yeah. uh, given up, raw yards per game in the passing game. Yeah. 31st in the league. And, and the 8.1 yeah. yards per attempt, I'm guessing, is going to be either uh, last or close to it uh, if I look over my list. Yeah. And uh, I mean, a few shows ago, maybe four or five weeks ago, I brought up the stat that I saw during one of the broadcasts that they put up the the, the pictures of all the Packers secondary guys and showed what their uh, quarterback rating against was. And all of them were <laughs> over 100. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. A so lot there, of hundreds. So they have no shutdown guy. That's the issue. So Demarius Randall, Quentin Rollins, Gunter, Micah Hyde. Actually, Micah Hyde had to play corner last week. Yeah, they had a lot of safeties running around trying to play corner Uh because they were running low on bodies. And it worked against Detroit. It worked against Detroit. I don't know if that's going to work. This is a little bit more of an arsenal little bit more of a step up in talent that they're going to face. Micah Hyde's not going to be able to chase Victor Cruz and Sterling Shepard and uh, Donnell or any of these guys. They're not going to be able to chase those guys around. Yeah, Detroit's one of the slowest wide receiver cores uh, in the league. So that's exactly the the team you want to do that against. But the Giants, not so much. Right. And there's not a lot of speed in that Packers secondary. So that's one of the – I just think that things don't line up well for them in this spot. Yes, they played each other in the earlier in the season, but you can, you, that never really matters. I mean, it doesn't even matter for my Miami and Pittsburgh pick, other than the fact that I was really happy I made that pick and I, you know, got a little over on you on that one. But more of anything, it's sort of that was the game. Like I said, it started the resurgence for Miami, and that was sort of that was JHI. He was just like, I'm going to have 200 yards every game forever. Um, right. That was almost that moment that you could point to in Miami's season and go, that's when it's maybe that's the real Dolphins team. It just took, you know, obviously you don't know that the time it happens. You think it's an aberration. Well, now that you look back and you look back at their season and it's, you know, totality, you go, yeah, that game against Pittsburgh 
from that point forward, Miami played really good football. Um, and that's, you know, and Pittsburgh just, you know, they were just Pittsburgh. They just did what they did. So, yeah, I, they're really, if there's a pick here, I don't like at all against out of these four. If someone put a gun to my head and said, you have got to switch one of these, pick one you don't like, pick the one you like the least. What's your lowest confidence one? I'd have to say maybe Seattle just because that's the closest to the spread that I have. You know, I have I have them only making that spread by two. Um, where I have uh, Houston covering it by an extra three. I have Miami only losing by five. And I have the Giants actually winning. So the closest to the actual number that I have overall would be Detroit. And I still won't change it. It's scary how uh, equal we see everything, too. We're seeing all the games in the exact same yeah. way. We almost had it's, a it's score kind of exact. <laughs> yeah, well, we missed by one we were point one, having the exact We were score. one point away from having the score turn out the way we wanted it. No, we didn't have Actually, the exact I same a, exact I nailed a score year, a few weeks that ago. That happened a couple no, of years ago. No, we've done ago. that before. We've done that, but we yeah. haven't had it in every game. But there's usually every postseason we'll agree on one X factor. And we don't console each other for that at all. We just come up with that individually. Oh, yeah, no. No, I, I've had this typed into my notes program on my laptop here. Um, yeah, we, we don't discuss it at all. Because every once in a while, we'll pull one out, and you'll be like, oh, that's my guy. <laughs> but nothing is more fun when than when you know we get to get on that show in the recap portion and also have been right on a pick and had our X Factor really make an impact. Oh, yeah. Always good to show off our geniusness. Yes. So that's all we're, that's, and again, that's all the guys on TV are doing it for. Except the guys on oh TV are usually picking X factors like, oh, my X factor is uh, Connor Cook. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> well, of course, Connor Cook is the X factor because you don't know what you're expecting out of the guy. But we, we tend to not go with the obvious here. Or yeah, Aaron Rodgers. That's why we don't have a fantasy show. You know who's really good? <laughs> oh man! You know, and uh, I talk about. He was really, yeah, he was really good. Alex Rodriguez. You, you might want him <laughs> in your fantasy league this year. You might want to draft him. This is when he was good. Um, I don't know why some of those guys but, do what they do on these on these network shows. They're saying nothing. They're just finding ways to say nothing in so many different words. Yeah, they're just filling. I was watching. And if they're not doing that, they're saying something completely ridiculous, just trying to get attention for themselves by seeing how ridiculous they can say something. I was watching uh, one of the NFL shows on ESPN, and they had the panel. I think it was NFL Insiders, and it was like an extended playoff edition. And one of the guys that they had up there was Bill Polian. Oh, or at he least said some corpse. ridiculous things the last few weeks. Yeah, it was like the his corpse. The ghost of Bill Polian, because he looked dead. I mean, like, you couldn't find somebody else to sit there and basically say nothing. You know, we, we've already, uh, we, we've made fun of them on the sports talk and then the sports media for the, the sort of filibustering, how everything has to be. And well, I think that, and therefore yeah. it was like, they're, it's like they're all writing a, a paper in high school. 
that's got to be a certain <laughs> number of words long. We we know what we're you know what I'm talking about. We've talked about this before. Therefore, sure. I think that in retrospect, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, the, the most robotic of all of them ever, and the one that I always hated the most was Marty Schottenheimer. He had it down it to a science, bad. but it was so robotic and obviously. Therefore, I think that the reason <laughs> that I think that is, and, and you could almost see how mechanical it was that he was doing it. I don't know if that's just the way he talked, but you, you would see these guys like in like giving speeches or post game stuff. They didn't talk like that. It was clearly okay, Marty. You got forty seconds. You got to yeah. basically give Feel us it. a one word answer. But you got to give us a one-word answer in 40 seconds. Go. Go fill that time. Go. Yeah. yeah so that's exactly what it is. Yeah. But uh, all of and, the and just. You find okay, out who's, can, who can do the job and who can. You find out really quickly. Like, John Elway is not in the booth anymore uh, because he found out quickly <laughs> he can't do that job. Yeah. But that was Marty Montana shot. Found so that's almost he can't like do the that job. Oh, yeah, that's the Schottenheimer rule. And Bill Polian was basically giving that, but also looking like they had, I think they had the crash cart waiting right off camera <laughs> for Bill Polian on that show. And they just, these guys, they just don't say anything. Well, Polian said, I don't remember, I'm not going to remember what he said, but he has been saying some things re uh, recently that make you go is not that he's not saying anything it's that he's saying something so crazy you go is he all right is there something wrong with him does he does he need help uh and that's where some of these guys go completely off the rails um trent dilfer if you had not heard about this uh adam schefter reported something that I think it was the giants maybe were thinking of doing uh, or were rumored to be interested in something and uh, Trent Dilfer's response was to say, well, it's good to see the Giants have got uh, Adam Schefter's ear and they're telling him to say this and say that, but it's not going to happen that way. It's really not. And Adam Schefter's like, dude, you are not a reporter. You don't know what the bleep you're talking about. Uh, no, no one's in my ear. No one's ever told me to say anything like that. And Dilfer basically had to apologize to him because I don't know what made him say something like that, but that's the, that's the other side of it is you get some of these former athletes on and they're so eager to show their reporting chops, which they don't have any because they don't they wouldn't know how to report uh, because they're not reporters. But they're so eager to show that they have sources and they have people that are in their ears telling them things. And they think that's the truth. And when it's actually not that they'll go out there and embarrass themselves trying to sully the reputation of an actual reporter. Uh, and it doesn't it doesn't work well. It doesn't look good at all. You can ask Richard Sherman how it looks when you take out an actual reporter. Uh, it, it goes wrong. It backfires on you. And that's what a lot of these guys don't realize is you come at somebody who's been trained in this and who's actually went to school for uh, however many years uh, and actually learned how to report. Uh, you come at that. Kurt Schilling did it as well, trying to come after actual reporters with basically fake news and stuff that's not true. Uh, when you come after these guys, you better know your shit or else you're going to get completely embarrassed. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's the, but that's the difference between the amateurs or the name guys and the actual people who are doing it every day and they're the and the professionals, right? Exactly. We're clearly that's amateurs. Some, but... <laughs> this is this oh, is clear. amateur hour. Wow. We, we don't we don't deny it. 
Uh, we're amateurs, but I hope we uh, come through as guys who try to tell the, the actual truth. Going back to what we were talking about a little earlier, you can't go with what you feel or what you wish would happen right. because that's not going to go well. You have to go with what you actually see, what actually comes through. All these notes that, I, that I'm talking about, I went back and looked at my notes for all these playoff teams uh, based on the games that I watched, the notes that I took during the games. And I'd sort of transcribe them to, to make all these notes that I was talking about uh, when I broke down these games, because those are, those are based on what I actually saw of these teams. It's not based on statistics or, you know, I've got the stats here as well, but I also want to look at what I actually see and what, what impressions I get of the team by actually watching them. And that's sort of short. Uh, I'm trying to inform myself a little better uh, of my opinion of these teams based on what I actually see. But I'm not going in and thinking, well, I, I don't like Eli Manning, so I'm going to go in thinking that he's got nothing and he's bad. And he's just said, no, this is based on what I actually saw of him uh, because I actually wrote down some good notes about him. Let's see. I, I wanted to actually give credit. Uh, he goes up tempo sometimes to try to generate offense. Uh, when he's not under pressure, he can actually be smart and accurate. He had some games where he was – moving the ball around and actually picking and choosing well. And then he made the, the dumb mistake and threw an interception later, but he's had some, some moments where he plays well, he's not all bad. And, and but you, if you have a bias against somebody, you're not going to see that part. You're just going to ignore that. Oh, good, good throw. I'll ignore that. Good throw. I'll ignore that. And wait till that fifth or sixth throw where he throws it to the other team and go, aha, see, he completely sucks. No, he doesn't. Complete. He kind of mostly sucks, but he actually has some good parts about him. So I'm trying to, to show everything, the good and the bad. And if we were just clearly piling on Brock Osweiler, we wouldn't we wouldn't have the stomach to pick Houston. It churns my stomach to pick Houston. <laughs> but I'm trying to be on the right side here, you know, and, and pick it and pick it correctly and actually have something to say about it. I'm not, you know, and it's the same thing, you know, with all of these picks. Would 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 I prefer the Packers to win? Well, yeah. I mean, would, would I, I want them to win? I just don't think they are. I mean, there's that, so there's that sort of that fan part that's like, okay, it's better for me if the Packers win. You know, I live in a Packer house. I live in Packer country. It, it affects my work, believe it or not. It affects the moods of people. I mean, I'm in it. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, and as long as it doesn't impact my actual rooting interest in Atlanta with the Falcons, I do root for the Packers. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with the Packers winning and being fine. I mean, it's, I really do find myself, you know, unless there's a competing issue, I want them to want them to do well. But if they're, you know, if they end up having to go to Atlanta, I want them to get killed. But <laughs> otherwise the Packers can win all they want to. And I'm perfectly fine with that. And I'm happy for it. Um, but I looked at it, I thought about it. And I just didn't see it. I didn't see it happening. I mean, if they win and we still get the cover, I'll be even happier. <laughs> Packers somehow managed to flip that goes. 1917 the other way. Hey, that's still a win. Win's a win. That's what we're trying to do here. Although this week, it doesn't even really matter. There's right, nothing. There's zero drama between us this week. Completely the only thing happening on this every week pick. is we're just trying to see how smart we are. That's all we're doing this week. This is really for fun. Um. Our buddy at the uh, shutdown corner uh, is different than us on half our picks. Um, 
He has the Lions and the Packers. So the two that you were leaning towards the most, hmm. your buddy, uh, he has that one. And then does actually, I will give him credit in his uh, write-up for the games this week, points out another statistic for the Lions, which makes me almost wonder why he took them, <laughs> that the Lions trailed in the fourth quarter of every game but one this year. Wow. Well, That's I mean, bad. if you want to, it depends on how you want to look at that, though. That's a nine and seven team that trailed in 15 games. You could yeah. say, wow, what a resilient fucking team. They just keep no. coming back. <laughs> you could if you wanted to. You could. You could see it that way. You might also say maybe maybe the Cleveland did the Cleveland Browns trail? <laughs> I, I mean I guess they did because they only won one game, right? Right. They won the, the, the yeah. so the what, so were they, were they trailing in so the fourth this, of that this, game that they won against San Diego, so that they trail every game? Oh boy. You know what? I'm gonna find that out because otherwise <laughs> then we can say that the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions uh trailed <laughs> in every in all, you know, and then if that's the case, then the Lions would have trailed in every single game. Could you imagine that? I mean, they only won they one won game, nine. so I guess it's easy to imagine. But yeah, the Browns trailed in every the, game, right? But a team, but a team that's in the playoffs now would have that that same sort of dubious distinction. Um, wow, yeah, that's, again, that's you tough. Could, to, you could that's see tough. that is is resilient on their part. Nine wins for a team that trailed in fifteen I, games. I, I guess made the playoffs. Uh, playoffs. They did it. They're there. Redskins are at um, home. The answer to your question is no. Uh, Cleveland actually went up seventeen to. Uh, oh no! Cleveland went up fourteen to ten early in the second quarter against San Diego and stayed up the whole rest of the way. Huh. So so That's Cleveland even... did not trail in the fourth quarter. So they trailed in every game except one. <laughs> Just, Just like, like the Detroit Lions. Lions. Just like the Detroit Lions. That's also funny because the even with trailing ever since the second quarter, uh, the Browns still uh, either lose or tie. Did they? Uh, what did they win by? They won by three. So they they tie three. if San Diego makes that field goal at the end of regulation. Yeah, and then maybe go on to lose in overtime. Right. So they As they did against led all the way. Right. Right. Yeah, led all the way until the end. Um, that just shows you how close it is, though. Because really, let's look at it. Cleveland, with that 1-15, was in a lot of games. Yeah, I talked about that, uh, uh, yeah. I think, in my little uh, year-end recap of each team, that they were yeah. shockingly uh, competitive in the first half of the year until they kind of lost their spirit and then started getting yeah. whooped. I mean, they had the big lead over Baltimore um, until right. Jake McCrown got hurt. They had the the strip sack of Ryan Tannehill that should have given them a win, and then they missed the field goal and lose in overtime. I mean, they, they they competed a lot, and they were in a lot of games in the third quarter and then just watched things kind of fizzle away in the fourth. Um, that just shows you how close you can be to being the worst team in football 
or a middle of the road team in the league. It re, you know that it can be that close. And look at Washington and Detroit, two teams that we would much rather have flip flopped in and out of the playoffs. It, one of them's in, the other one couldn't take care of business in that last game against a team that it meant nothing to. And we get that Seattle Detroit game on Saturday night, which we'll still watch. I'll still be watching it. I'll be sitting right here where I am right now with my TV on watching that game um, because it's the playoffs. Yeah, almost you have to. Um, but I would rather, much rather have seen a Washington at Seattle. I may have gone underdog in that game um, with that Washington offense. Yeah, if they were clicking, if they were going in clicking, which – uh, Seattle is not going in clicking uh, after uh, having a very bad Week 17 right. outing uh, at San Francisco. Yeah, so that's but neither is Detroit. Well. Detroit's not exactly Detroit. You want to talk about backing right. in? That's true. I mean, they lost three in a row and still made the playoffs there at the end, right? Because we kept talking about the legitimacy bowl with that sort mm-hmm. of that that run they, they had moving. at the end with the Giants. The Cowboys and the Packers, they lost them all. They kept losing the legitimacy ball. They apparently are very illegitimate. And and the Cowboys whooped them. Yeah, they they fought. They they kept trying to hang around uh, in in these games. Well, they fought against the Giants uh, and and lost that one closer Mm -hmm. than uh, than the Detroit game. Yeah, or uh, the Dallas game. Dallas whooped and Stafford threw a completely garbage time touchdown that got that game to within seven because he threw that touchdown with like 20-something seconds left against yep. Green Bay. That was 31, what was that, 31-17 most of the fourth quarters. That game was over, too. So Detroit didn't exactly acquit themselves in that three-game run-up. Where any one of those games they win, they're hosting a game tomorrow. That's right. Well, they... Uh, the, the first half with Dallas, they went toe to toe, and then they d- decided not to score the second half. So. Right, but that matters. It, you know, you, you still play two halves of football. Ask Mike McCarthy, your favorite coach. My favorite. Another coach. note that I made that I, that I, that I didn't get to is that it may come down to Mike McCarthy making a weird play call, which he's known to do every now and then. Yeah, and also making no halftime adjustments. That too. I will say the one thing that um, all these Packers games that I went through and watched, and there were so many times where I made a note of uh, strange play call by Mike McCarthy on fourth and two, strange play call by Mike McCarthy. That this this occurred multiple times. I don't take every single observation and try to put it down. If it comes up multiple times, then I go, okay, well, I got to make a note of that because that's a, a trend of the team. And it's certainly a trend that Mike McCarthy sometimes decides to call things trying to fool the other team and kind of outthinks himself. There's been more than one fourth and one, fourth and twos where he's like uh, throwing some weird crossing route uh, in tight coverage or something when you should just try to run and get that yard or something like that. Yeah, that was one of the things that that uh, panel was talking about. And I'll give credit where credit's due that the SPN panel on that show I was watching brought up a very similar point about Oakland and that sort of lack of trust for Oakland. And they brought up strange play calls. Speaking of strange play calls, and they were very strange. Uh, they cost me a win 
um, in that Thursday night game at Kansas City where they're down at the goal line with a chance to win the game and on third and fourth down at the goal line throw fade routes. Mm, yes, you you hate your fade routes. We we've talked about that you a call lot. Call it call it once. <laughs> but and it doesn't work to a doll. Oh go to the, go to the ground, get a yard. Yeah. You know, we, 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 or, you know, we, 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 we broke it down. There's an entire show anybody wants to go back and listen to about us breaking down that Super Bowl with Saint, uh, Seattle and New England with the, the picket in the end into the game in the end zone. But that was, I believe, on second down. Yeah. And, and it was after that. It was the second, it was the second down play because Marshawn Lynch and first, it was yeah, first and goal, I think, and five. And he they gets ran four. Lynch on first down, and he got four down to the one. So I'm th- the whole playbook is open to you. Bootleg, just another run. You had timeouts left. They, they, all, all the things in the playbook, and they throw like a quick slant that gets jumped. Now, again, if he throws the pass and it's complete, they win the Super Bowl. Hey, everybody's happy. But it, it wasn't the safest call and, de- and not necessary at that point. And it didn't wasn't the right much. call. It was not the right call. Obviously, it got picked. If you run the ball the and he gets stuffed, uh, and, and you get up and have to run another play, that's still the right call. If he runs the ball and fumbles, yeah. and, and you lose the game that way, it's still the right call. It's just a it's still rare the right call by right. Marshawn Lynch. This was not the right call. Period. It was no. not the even if it worked, and, it wasn't the right call. And even if you're going to call a pass. You call that with Russell Wilson under center, play action, roll out. Usually there's a tight end standing wide open in the end. You run that play <laughs> where you just roll him out quick. And if there's nobody there open right away, you throw that thing out of the back of the end zone and you do it again on third down and you run Marshawn. They had so they had three plays to score a touchdown and just blew it all up on the first one, basically after Clinch got down to the goal line. Now that first and five call, that first and goal from the five, that run up the middle, that was that was the right call. And, and got, for some and reason, just because yards. he didn't get all the way in, you go, oh, we got to go away from the run now. They got cute. Yeah. They got cute. 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 They got I know when I see it. I know what a bad play call is, but I know when I see it. Like that Colts fake punt last year. We knew it. We knew it when we saw it. Sometimes it's that obvious. That was a bad play call. How do you snap that ball? <laughs> That's a timeout, right? That just what the Seriously. What are we doing? Stand up and make the tea and go, Coach. 
Come on. What are you doing? It's like walking into an alley with, with two guys next to you and you come across nine or ten others. You don't run into them. Yeah. You go the yeah. other way. I believe at the time difficult. at the time it was and it was a, it was an accurate quote from us at the time basically saying that the only reason they lined up and ran that because we know it worked in practice because in practice you're running that against the Colts defense. <laughs> Correct. That's why it worked. So they're like, "Oh yeah, we got this. Watch this." Um no. Yeah. That's the Patriots. But that's just that's a different. That's team. that geniusness. That's that we're way too smart for our own good. And there's coaches they get that. And Jack Del Rio and that Oakland team had that. And it was frustrating for me to watch because two fade routes on third and fourth down when you're trying to win the game, and you're right there. It make it those make no sense. Even if it's there for you. Oh look, they oh well, we got one on one out on the outside, but 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 you're only trying to go three feet. You know, More negative makes, outcomes are available than positive ones on that. It only makes sense if you your receiver is Michael Irvin or Terrell Owens or something like that. <laughs> or Julio I love Jones Amari Cooper. or Des Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. I love Amari those Cooper. Passes not Terrell Owens. But those passes weren't for Amari Cooper. Right. They were uh, Crabtree. That was the problem. One of them was Crabtree, and I think the other one was like a th- like Seth Cooper or something like that. <laughs> Is he even a guy on that team? No, there's Seth Roberts. Seth Roberts. Seth Roberts. <laughs> Seth Cooper. They had a love child. Thinking about uh, Amari Cooper. <laughs> yeah, Seth Roberts, I believe, was the fourth down call, and that was when I lost it. I'm like, what? The, you know, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. It makes you shake your head. That's why I remember it stands out to me because they weren't throwing the ball on those fades to Amari Cooper. It's crazy. And on that fourth down call, the throw wasn't even good. wasn't even like the guy had a chance, and then you lost the game. Hopefully you You learn from that, you know. Yeah. What they learned from that is thanks to that right now, even with all the bad stuff that happened, the Chiefs aren't playing this weekend. That's right. And the Raiders could be resting up, but nope. Yeah. They, they. And again, we were talking about this last week at the job. Why were, I, I don't know. I didn't pay any attention to the blotter all week, but why were the Raiders not trying a quarterback out this week? There had hmm. to be some veteran because the, uh, the rules state they could sign anybody anytime and play them in this game. You're telling me that there isn't a guy sitting by the phone. There were probably a lot of guys sitting by the phone this week or on Sunday and Monday. Like, come on, come on. I'm right here. I'd be calling my agent. Like, you want to, you want to call the Raiders? There were, you're starting Connor cook. You're telling me that there isn't, some rehash retread veteran that you could have brought in for just a week to play better than what we're probably going to see tomorrow afternoon. I guess my response to that is so McGloin is not deactivated, right? He's actually there and he, and might he could play if they asked him to, but just feel like they're starting. Is that what, is is that the the more healthy gives us the best chance to win? 
Oh, basically, God. yeah, I, I think so. Ugh. I mean, not not that McGoin was great, but yeah, I think yeah, um, he got hurt, and and they want to go with Connor Cook. So I think they think they got enough between uh, Cook and McGoin. I, I I get this feeling McGoin's going to see some action tomorrow. Just complete hunch on on my part. I haven't read anything that suggests mop, that it could be mop up work for all we know. Thing is, for Houston, and this is a positive for the Raiders. Is I, I don't think Houston's got a blowout in them. So I think this game is going to feel close, but it's over. Does that make sense? The game's over, <laughs> but the scores it feels close. <laughs> yeah, we've seen but you're games watching like the that game going, you're... Oh, it's over. Yeah. Where a team's up by you're like taking... four and you're like, Yeah, it's over. You're taking an aether soaked towel to the other team where you're just smothering them slowly and they're struggling, but they can't do anything <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah, we've seen that. Like it's just not gonna it's just not gonna matter. You know, this is good this could remind me of that Bengals Houston game. Uh, <laughs> uh okay, I'm still having yeah. headaches from that one. But it's gonna be ugly. We know it's gonna be ugly, it's not gonna be good football. I don't think either team has a blowout in them. Um I hope the Raiders do. If any, if any outcome comes from this, I would rather see the Raiders win because I think it's a nicer story. Um, I just don't see it happening. I think neither one of us trust picking Connor Cook making his first NFL start in a playoff game against the best defense in the league. And statistically, yeah, I think Houston finished number one. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is if Connor Cook is another Ryan Fitzpatrick and he's just throwing all these deep balls up for somebody, that's the wrong yeah. defense to do that against because the the Texans will run underneath and and take those balls from you. Whether right, Boye, which is funny. Somebody else, which is which is really funny because we we know that this is Houston plus five if that's Derek Carr starting, right? Probably, yeah, uh, yeah, three, four, five. Yeah, I can, see, yeah, something like that. Yeah. There wouldn't be. I mean, Houston would be a home dog in this game if if this was twelve and four Oakland with Derek Carr. Correct. I mean, easy home dog, and multiple point home dog. I mean, we're not talking New Orleans at Seattle home dog, <laughs> but home dog. And I may have taken Houston anyway because you know how I feel about the Raiders. I think they've gotten a I lot know. of luck this year, and I think it's it's time for it to run out. Twelve and four, though. We haven't seen a lot of lucky twelve and fours, mm. have we? Usually they're pretty dominant, but every yeah. now and then, yeah. But if so, so what you're saying is, if it's luck with the Raiders, does that mean that next year you're saying that the outlook for the Raiders isn't very good, and that they're like us, they could easily just be a six win team next year? I'm not saying that at all. Okay. I'm saying the method of wins that they got this year suggests to me that they yeah. had some some a lot of luck involved. They got a lot. They got some wins that I don't think yeah. they deserved at the time. That has nothing to do with if they grow as a team and earn those same wins next year. Yeah, uh, which very well wait very well may happen. But I'm saying this year they stole some wins, and I just think karma sort of uh, is there to, to to bite them in the ass this time. <laughs> they humble them. No, I had that. My 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 feeling of them all year was that the results that they were getting and the record that they were getting, everything kind of felt a year too soon. Yeah, we both um, thought that they were. Yeah, 
Like, like their arrow has been pointing up for a couple of years now. We didn't see them j- jumping up this far. I had them in the playoffs. Actually, that division went exactly the way I said it would. Chiefs won the division. Raiders made the playoffs. Broncos and Chargers finished in order. I had that one. But I didn't see the Raiders at you know 12 and 4. Uh, right. I, I don't want to use this analogy because of the implications for what it means for next year, but it feels like the one year too soon feeling I had for the Cubs when the Cubs got all the way to the NLCS two seasons ago. Like hmm. it was a young group and we knew they were going to be really good, but they were almost like too good, too fast. And they needed that humbling at the hands of the, of the Mets, that sweep to almost that sort of fueled them, you know, in the going into the next season and they were the favorite. I don't see that same exact trajectory. I'm not saying Oakland's going to win the Super Bowl next year, but I'm saying that this has that too much, too fast feeling for Oakland where they sort of jumped a little bit more. Maybe they would have been better served being a, a 10 and six or a nine and seven and, and being and again, they're still a wild card team either way. But I think that expectation for them being at twelve and four was that all of a sudden the chatter was, "Oh, they they they're going to go into New England. That they have a chance to go and go all the way to the Super Bowl." It was a little too much, too fast for Oakland this year. That would be sort of my, if I was doing the autopsy this year on the Oakland Raiders, that would be mine. Oh, autopsy! The patient isn't dead yet. We still got tomorrow to go. It's or, over. Uh, <laughs> we're a mere uh, 17 hours away, less than 17 hours away from seeing the patient. And I got to be up for, I got to be up for work in six of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me too. So we are on the same boat there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we can, we can shut it down now. We're going to get sniped anyway in five minutes. Oh yeah. Well, good, good, good deal. So yeah, zero drama this week. We get to, actually just watch football as football fans, but still have that looming competition a week away, which is fun because we're both going to see things differently, I'm sure, or we're going to take the different things away from this, even though we agree, just because you've got those teams laying in wait with the bye weeks, and that's always that extra dynamic. So it'll be really interesting. I don't think we're going to have the harmony next week where we almost, we can't. We can't. Uh, have the harmony next week. We can't. You're going to. We be, could. You're I could just disagree. With that. I could, I, we could literally. I, we could agree all next week too, and I could throw a curveball at you. And so you know what I'm <laughs> betting on is you losing out. <sighs> but I don't think it's going to go that way. Although next week's very dangerous because if I lose one to you next week, I'm out. That's true. That's the strategy so, you you chose to take. I I don't see it here this week. And again, what's the difference right now between 12 and 10? Not much. Right. Well, it, you know, if I picked up one win on you this week and then decided, you know, next week to lose one to you, and then I'm back to 13 points back, it's pretty much all. Oh, what's the best I can do? A tie or a point, one point defeat. So I'm better off. I, I feel better standing pat this week and, and rolling the dice. Uh, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down my way. I'll go down in the division round. That's my week. That's the the hill the hill that you've chosen to die on is, is the That's way they my Waterloo. That. It'll be my Waterloo mm-hmm. next week. You're going to have to be uh, to give me the honors again next week for every game, right? To, to see where I'm standing. Uh, 
I almost will have to. Yeah, you'll probably have them the whole the whole playoffs unless I just roll you up next week and get all twelve points. <laughs> oh, that has happened before. Definitely, definitely hoping for for that to not happen. I think that only yes. happened once. That did happen once though, and it was maybe it, it was about what about maybe nine, eight, nine, ten years ago, where you and I completely differed on all four division round games, and you lost all four. I had to bow to the power of, of Jay in the division round because you had that magic working at that point. It was incredible. Yeah, I haven't been able to recapture it for a few seasons now. But, yeah, there was a run of about what, about five years, or I think in five years I lost one. It was, it was crazy. It was like 4 and 0 3-1, 4-0, 4-0. I just – I don't know. I just – I had some magic, and then it, uh, it's come crashing back down. Last year really came pressure back. I won one playoff pick last year. If I had won two, I'd be the champion. That's the sad <laughs> thing. That's how bad you were, too. I know. I know. So, <laughs> <Leave me alone. laughs> all right. We're going to get sniped here. So, I will, uh, I, I'm assuming, uh, probably be the same, same, roughly the same time next Friday, probably at 10 o'clock next Friday, though, because I'm back to work again. I see. All right, you heard it here, 10 o'clock Central, 11 o'clock Eastern next Friday to recap what happened in the wild card round for this year's playoffs and get ready to make our picks for the divisional round next week. We'll see the Falcons, we'll see the Cowboys, we'll see the Patriots, we'll see the Chiefs, we'll see who they get to play, and we'll have more playoff football Uh where we'll have the same amount of points differ uh, to, to begin the, the picking next weekend because we are agreeing on all four games this week in the Wild which completely stunned me. I had no idea Jason was going to pull that stunt on me, but uh, he's full of tricks that Jason is. Uh, so we'll see how that works out. Everybody enjoy.